Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production, available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. If you like this show, you need to check out the Pro Football Focus podcast. They have the NFL podcast where each week they grade every player on every play of the NFL season to give you a look inside the game no one else can rival. Then check out their Forecast podcast where they give you the best analytics and gambling tips in the football world. So check out PFF's NFL and Forecast podcasts weekly on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome to Real GM Radio. I am Danny LaRue, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode, which is the continuation of an annual tradition that I absolutely love, the extensive, extensive over-under double podcast with my friend Arturo Galetti of Daily Roto. And you might look at this time, a two-hour podcast, and think, oh, that's really long. This is just the East. We have another two-hour podcast on the West, which is going to come out next week, but there's just so much for us to talk about. We absolutely love this, and this is a podcast where the reason the Real Jam Radio doesn't usually have timestamps is because I edit the show myself and because of how I cut it. It's really, really hard to do it, but it's worth it for this episode. So if you want timestamps, you have timestamps from when it comes out, and I'm always really proud of this episode, sponsored by BetOnline, BetOnline.ag. Use that podcast one, the number one promo code for a 50% sign-up bonus. Pluto TV, the leading free streaming television service, which is awesome. And our friends at TrueCar, great place to buy a new and used car. As I mentioned, this is an absolute behemoth. This is a legit two-hour podcast, and we go through a lot of different things. I mean, that's really the way that, that this works is going intensively on each team. This one has a little bit of the explanation of how we do what we do. So you can get that at the beginning. And then we, we go in a bunch of different directions, get on some sidetracks, get on some tangents, because that's the way it happens. And so I absolutely love this podcast. I hope you do too. And longtime listeners will know there's often a little bit of wonkiness with the audio in Arturo's podcast. That is true on this one, but I think this, with uh, a little tweak that I made, this is probably the best one. Actually, there's a little bit of a tweak that should even be better in the West version. I made an adjustment between the two recordings. So hopefully it's good enough. If I if you can give your input, you know how to do that. But know that I'm always trying. So thank you so much and enjoy the next, I don't know, two hours of your life, depending on how fast you listen to this. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on. Uh, as I, I mentioned before the podcast, this is the last thing I did before Hurricane Maria last year. I literally finished this podcast and, and went into my house to prepare for the hurricane, which was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's been a, a crazy year, and to we should probably walk people through, since this will yeah. be at the beginning of the first podcast, kind of really what this is about. This is over-unders, and we will be talking about a couple of different pieces of information. Do you want to walk people through it? Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Uh, so what I, what I typically do is, I, and every year I do this, I go to uh, a site that has all the futures events for the NBA, and I'm using Odds Checker, which is a British site, which generally has... They'll have like 20 odds for each particular prop bet. And I get the lowest win total and the highest win total. And then we go off that. So, for example, our first thing we're going to talk about is going to be the Hawks. The lowest uh, total you can bet on them is 23.5. The uh, high for them is 24.5. 
They won 24, 24 games last year. We talk about what we feel like. We talk about the team. Incorporating the win projections uh, very nicely provided by Jacob uh, Jacob E. Goldstein. Uh, that is uh, at Jacob E. Goldstein on Twitter. He uh, he shared those projections with us last year, and he's doing that again. He should He's a good follow on Twitter. He has some really cool stuff he puts up, and he does a lot of work. So a lot of us don't have to do that work, right? I used to do that work, and I'm happy that, that he's there. And then we'll decide whether or not, like, one, if we like the over or the under, and if we would actually like put our own money on that. Just to give like some some idea, I I kept records for the past three seasons, and on all bets, uh, I'm 52, 57, 32. Danny is 51, 38. So that's 64 percent, 57 percent. And if you just bet on what Danny, what I said is 22 percent, what Danny said is 9 percent profit. If you went on the ones we actually said bet, I'm 31, 11. For 74%, Danny is 24 and 10 for 71%. That is a 41% ROI for me and a 35% ROI for Danny. Assuming you bet the same amount on every team and you're getting minus 110, which is a typical odds you would get. So the results bear out that we generally are pretty much on point. And I'm a bit more aggressive than Danny. Generally the case, right? That is generally the case, and I'm, I'm guessing that'll be true this year, though we'll, we'll really have to see. And we can start this with the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks last year, they won 24 games. They're bringing back a pretty similar roster. I mean, they're, it changed over. They, they shed some of their older guys over the course of the year, as bad teams often do. And Vegas treats it, well, I'm using Vegas even though we're using OzChecker, as be, basically being an even proposition. So as you said, if you want to go over, you could bet it at 23.5. If you want to go under, you can bet it at 24.5. And to me, this is a very good line. And what I mean by that is, I think that there is a very reasonable chance that they end up on either side. I will go under, but stay away on this logic. So basically, for for me, when I think a line is good and a team is bad, the gravity on that usually weighs on the under, because especially when they hold their own pick, as the Atlanta Hawks do, yes, they at the end of the season. So I I, I actually recorded on with a, for dunked on with a Hawks person shortly before we recorded this podcast, so they'll come out in the opposite order. And I said that I thought they were like a 26 win team if they push through and everything like that, but a 26-win team generally doesn't win 26 games because they'll they'll win a couple fewer. So, but because of the the possibility that they're better than that, maybe Lloyd Pierce can activate some of their nascent defensive talent. I, I think there's a chance they go over, so that's why I'm staying away. But I, I expect them to go under this. See, I mean, I think I think you hit a couple points. I think there's there's another thing. So, in essence, uh, our first referendum on, on Mike Budenholzer, and I, I really like Budenholzer, and I think actually losing him is actually going to be to the detriment of the Hawks. They're also a young team. You're right in that the gravity on them is going to be to go under because they're going to like they own their own pick and they they want that and i think a lot of these guys are like they're spurs alumni right i think even the coach is spurs alumni right am i wrong i think he's bounced around a little bit but i I, he most recently came from philly but he might have been in san antonio before yeah so but yeah but the philly guys did the same thing too which is i think that they're i mean brett brown's a phil brett brown's a spurs alum too so so people who play dfs and i'm a big dfs guy i suspect the hawks are going to run fast and they're going to get a lot of possessions because when you do that when you run fast you can lose a lot of games and you make your players look good because the point totals like you you get a lot of possessions so the point totals and the totals go up and then basically you raise the value of the assets on the team really this team is about like Trey Young and kind of the future 
And so, yeah, no, I, I think definitely the under. And I think, like, these teams, like, the Hawks are going to be a really good team for uh, fantasy sports because they're going to try to go fast and, and, like, shoot a lot. Shoot a lot, right? Yeah, I they're think that's, also, that's my they're also going to be a great team to go against in fantasy sports. Like, that, I think that might be a part of it as well, depending on, because most oh, you, you want you want both sides. You want yeah. both, like, when the Hawks are playing, you want both sides. You just need to figure out who's going to be chucking it up. So I think Trey Young is going to be kind of a really good, he's, he's going to get a lot of opportunity. And here's the thing, I, I quite like Trey Young. I just don't think they have anything around him right now. Well, and and, and also, gonna... like, even young guys that we like, last year being an exception to this to a point, generally it takes those guys time to figure it out. So even if Trey Young ends up being a good player, which I, you know, I, I think I had him third on the board, I yeah. believe that he will be there, he's not going to be, it's very unlikely he's going to be good this year, because very few really young point guards ever are. I had Trey Young as an as an A minus uh, coming out of, like on my uh, on my draft board, and he, his numbers are really good. He's a as I said, he's, he's I think he's going to be a good player, just not this year. I mean, it's going to take a while for him to kind of get there, and I think this is not the place. I think so. The question on the Hawks is going to be like, do you like? I like the under. You like the under. Do we both like it enough to play it? I don't want to play it. Do you happen to have the only thing I would consider playing for them would be do you have Trey Young's rookie of the year odds? Do you happen to know that? Do you really like do you really think Trey Young is the guy who's going to be the rookie of the year? I mean, it's uh, it See, the hard thing about it what's going to be really interesting this year with rookie of the year is that there are a, a couple of guys that are going to put up numbers on bad teams. And that is a pretty standard formula. Usually you look at the counting stats and go through it unless the guys that a, a, a Important part of a good team, and that's extremely rare. So I'm seeing I'm seeing twelve to one on on Trey Young for a rookie of the year. Twelve to one is not bad. Like twelve, 12 to one, twelve to one's attractive. I like because that. he's I gonna like he's gonna put up numbers, and so I, I would have a couple of guys ahead of him in line, but I'm not sure I would have them far enough. Like I, I don't think I would throw a lot of money on that, but I think that's the best bet on the board for them. I would, yeah. you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna ta- I'm going to play it because I think I said I think the gravity of the situation, the confidence is gonna be strong. There's gonna be a race to the bottom, so I think there's I think there's good pressure on that team to like be below 24 wins, right? So I think at 20, like if I get him at 24 and a half. I'm good with it, but I agree with you that like I think we both like Trey Young at 12 to one for rookie of the year. You're, you're also I'm also this is I'm also finding 10 to one, but I think if you can get it like that 10 to 10 to 12 to one range uh, is really nice. Yeah, if it was stronger than 10 to one, I don't think I'd play it. But at 12 in particular, but yeah, at 10, throw a little bit. I don't think that's a, oh like one of the best things we're going to talk about. But it, but it's definitely not bad. We can move on to the Knicks. So the Knicks last year they, <laughs> they won 28 games. They had the point differential of a 30 and a half win team. And that is exactly where their over under is set. You could bet the over at 29 and a half. You could bet the under at 30 and a half. And I think the definitive question for the Knicks this year is how much Kristaps Porzingis plays. Because when Kristaps Porzingis plays, they have substantially more talent than when he does not. And for me, because he's missing the beginning of the year this time instead of the end, that leans me pretty heavily towards their under because even though the Knicks are trying to make themselves attractive for free agents and all that, it's a lot easier to sell yourself on being patient when the die is already cast in terms of your playoff chances. So let me do a recap. Uh, the Knicks was 40 and a half in 20, 2017 and they went under. The Knicks were 30 and a half last year and they went under. So I believe the Knicks basically go under every year. So I think, hold on, let me let me just confirm that. They were, Vegas had them at 31.5 in 2016. Oh, no, they went slightly over on that. So, like, 
of like the all the years that we've done that, only one year and they went over by half a win. I think that doesn't change this year. The Knicks are always overpriced. I will say this. So the Knicks are now at 30 and a half. And I would suspect that knowing Knicks fans, you'll be able to get that at like 32 and a half or like 33 and a half, much closer to. Once the preseason rolls around and they get excited and they'll get, they're going to bet it up, and you'll be able to get like, you know, you'll get a much better price on the Knicks than we're getting at them now. I think right now, so right now the Knicks are, I think I said that wrong, the Knicks are at 28, so, uh, sorry, 30 and a half. And I think we both like the under, right? And I think that like my recommendation is that wait a bit. Because I think that'll be available at a better price later on in the summer. So I would under and play it now. I mean, and play it even at this price. But if you could get it for a couple wins stronger, that would be way better. Because then you start to take away some of the upside. You know, like if Porzingis comes back a little earlier and everything like that. And again, especially if you can, let's say you can get it at 32. Because the gravity, the Knicks have their own pick this year. The gravity on that is is to fall back. Even if even if they have a better than expected season, there are ways that they could fall below that kind of a total. So yeah, if you can get it, and with the Knicks, I would assume that it's not going to be bet down. It would only be bet up. So if you wait a couple weeks, yeah, I think you, both... you wouldn't. I, I would be shocked if it got worse. Like if it, yeah, I think if, I think if you like buy... like either. I think you could probably get it at 32 and a half quite easily. I think that's a, like it's a Knicks. It's 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 a, just wait for it to go up and bet the under because I think again, as you say, there's going to be gravity towards the bottom, and they're going to be in a race probably with the Hawks and like the next the next couple of teams that we're going to mention uh, to see who like all these teams do they own the draft pick? Yes. Is there incentive for them to win this year? No. They're they're literally like the Knicks are. Which I would argue that the Knicks are playing in the toughest conference in the toughest division in the entire NBA, and they're the worst team. Yeah, and and they definitely are the worst team, so that's worth considering as well. Uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting with a lot of these teams to to really see where it goes. So we can move on to the Chicago Bulls. This is an important one for point differential because Chicago last year won 27 games, but they did that by really exceeding their expected wins in close games. They played like a 23-win team, and that starts to linger in because Vegas set the... So if you want to bet the over, you can do it at 28.5, and if you want to bet the under, you can do it at 29.5. I think this is a pretty good line. Like, this is one that I could absolutely see the Bulls going over, so it's not an easy call for me, but I still think they're going to go under... And I, if I had to pass versus play, I would play it on the logic that their defense is going to be awful and their offense could be fine, but we don't know that yet. Yeah, I mean, like, I think this team got significantly worse in the offseason, don't you? Sure, I mean, I like their draft picks, but they're, they're, this is not a better team. And they lost, like, some of the time. I think the only plus player I have on this team is Portis right now, and they're adding, they're adding Levine back, and I'm not the biggest Levine fan in the world. So I think that... Well, actually, I'm the big. I'm a big Levine fan because he helped. He helped me build a million dollar willing lineup for NBA by like being really bad at like uh, at like playing defense when he was with the Timberwolves. But like, I think that yeah. I mean, I like the under on this team, and again, I think this is another team that like they're they're playing for the they're playing for for ping pong balls. I mean, they're. Yeah, they own all their picks. They're they're a very young team. They're not going anywhere. And I think that I mean the one caveat is like well, you know we don't necessarily think that the Bulls front office is the smartest front office around. So I mean I like the under. I'm not hmm, at twenty eight at twenty nine and a half. This isn't gonna get. This is not gonna be a bet up. This is actually the other way. This is like the the Bulls fans are like very like pessimistic. So they think it will be bet down. So we both like the under on this. And do you like the? You said you like the play on this. 
I do. It again, it's kind of the gravity issue, and I don't think their close game magic is going to be there again. So if this is, I could see them going over. Like this is probably the closest marginal one that I will actually play. But the reason is their defense. Like I, to me, if if you even if Wendell Carter, who I do really like, if he comes on, they still have just so many bad defenders on this team. And offensively, they have some talent, but they don't really have the right kind of talent to put together a really good offense this year. And I don't think, I, I like Hoiberg, but I don't think this is even the right right necessarily group to, to maximize that concept. They don't have particularly great shooting. I mean, their best shooter is Lowry Markkinen, who is their starting power forward. And they're probably going to start Markkinen and Jabari Parker together, which brings a whole bunch of problems. So, this is, yeah, as I said, this is probably the most marginal one that I'll play in either conference, but it's just kind of, this is one that's more of an instinct play for me, that I think they're a little bit worse than some than some people expect, and for me, the, the upside, like, oh, if they're way better than expected, that's still, to me, probably in the low 30s, maybe, maybe the mid-30s, and so if you can get it at 29.5, I would love, if it was 31.5, I would absolutely hammer this. It's not at that level, but I still feel okay playing it. Yeah, I mean, they're thinking that the whole, I don't know how, I don't know where you get two and a half extra wins on this team. You know what? I'm going to go play with this team because I, this team is bad, right? This team is bad. I would love to get it slightly over, but this team is bad, right? And, and, and I think, I think we, we're going to, we're going to continue with this team is bad with our next, uh, team, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavs are fascinating. I'm not even going to mention how many games they won last year because it is completely irrelevant to what the Cavs are. If you want to bet the over on them, you can do it at 30 and a half. If you want to bet the under on them, you can do it at 31 and a half. I think, so I expected and slash hoped to, you know, make more money on this, that they were going to set this way too high and that I could just hammer the under. This is a pretty well set line to me, and I'm shocked that it's a well set line. Well, the, just, just, just to give everybody a note, when, when LeBron James left Cleveland in 2010, the Cavaliers proceeded to win 19 games the next year. And I would argue that that 2011, 2010-2011 Cavaliers team was a better team had better pieces than this current team has. I mean, well, I, I would that, disagree with that because I, I mean, think this, this year's team has better talent. I don't think it's necessarily a good thing for them because that year, the best players on those Cavs teams, off the top of my head, were guys that would eventually become good that were not good yet. And so that's a that's a, a kind of a different question. The, the, Cav- the Cavaliers were terrible last year when LeBron was on them. Like they they were they were oh like, yeah well so and, the, they, and were, this, they were the, they were like they were they weren't just the worst team in basketball. They were like one of the worst all time teams. If you just take LeBron out of the equation, that team was. Was like just just horrendous, just yeah, just and, bad. And remember that they didn't really replace James at all on this year's team. They haven't really done much other than on the margins. They added Channing Fry, Isaiah Taylor might make the team. You know those sorts of things they didn't really do. So it's going to fall a lot more on like Jetty Osman and, and players like that, which is not exactly the most sterling selling point in terms of saying, hey, we're going to be a really good team. So the other point that I want to make before we really start to get into the nuts and bolts of their number is Cleveland last year. So two big things. One, Cleveland was way, way over their point differential last year because they were so good in close games. They actually were 7.2 wins above their expected. And part of the reason their point differential was was shakier. I mean, they were actually below a point per, you know, below a one net rating, plus one net rating. And a big part of that is because their defense was so unwieldingly terrible. And it's a little bit more than that. It's like if, if LeBron James was on the floor, they were an incredible team. And LeBron James wasn't on the floor. And it, you can literally look at the split. So they would get ahead, and then LeBron would get out of the game. 
and like they would blow these leads because just the just the, the rest of the team was just utterly incompetent. I mean, yeah, like, and, they, and they don't have much around it. But I mean, and their defense last year, and so LeBron, as much as many of us, including myself, criticized regular season LeBron's defensive intensity. He was still one of the better defenders on their team last year. And so really what the argument in favor of the of the Cavs beating this, which they certainly could, but the argument in favor of that is that the same personnel, because basically they have to for survival purposes, will play better defense. But that's a really, no. really weird bet to make no. when they went from no. being a potential title team to no. a, to a likely non playoff team. And so this is, it's not this a that's deep. not a good bet to make. I feel comfortable saying this is the worst coach defensive unit in the entire NBA. I mean, I, I, I feel very comfortable saying that. I, I've watched the tape. I watch oodles of tape. They just, they just, they, they're just incompetent on defense. And you can actually tell the difference when these players leave the team. Like Kyrie is not even close to as incompetent on the Celtics on defense as he was on the Cavaliers. Their rotations are just like, they're just, you're watching it and you're going like, what are you doing? Let me ask you the question this way. Who is the second best player on the Cavaliers? When he's healthy, probably George Hill. But, I mean, good lord. If, and again, you're relying on George Hill and Kevin Love, who really have not been able to stay healthy in the last three well, years. Well, and, I mean, not only that, but so, like, if Tristan Thompson plays anything like he did a couple of years ago, then it'd be him. But I don't know that there's any particular reason to believe that last year was the aberration, not two years ago. Like, that, it, it's a weird, it's a weird, again, bet to make you, with you, them. You think, you think Tristan Thompson lasts the season in, in Cleveland? I have no idea. I mean, so, I think this year, that's another really fascinating question to talk about with the Cavs is what their incentives are because I'm guessing Dan Gilbert will want will try to do everything in their power to try to make the playoffs this year especially oh, if and this is a big if if the Lakers are on the margins and then be like if there's an even an outside chance that the Cavs make the playoffs and the Lakers don't even though this that team, would be in the east but this team I don't think they're good enough to get there for it. right this exactly team does not have sound for it and their coach like Lou is, I would argue that he is. Yeah, I would say that. I think he's the worst, close to being the worst coach in the league because it, the defense is just so bad. I mean, it literally hurts my soul to watch this team defense. When I have to watch the Cavs for like DFS for an extended period, I'm like, well, I just, something, I'm, you, you I, brought I get it, angry. you brought up the defense, but something else like the Cavs did some things on offense that I liked, but almost all of it was because hmm. they had LeBron James. Like basically, and, and do they do they know that they? Okay, so we're assuming that with a Kevin Love team. Like they're gonna run it like the T- the T Wolves used to run, which is like they're gonna run. Now with, you're getting with, into with the Kevin conversation Love, I want to have. Like Kevin Love should be at like at the free throw line, running off the elbow, and they should be running picks around him. And they don't actually like what are they gonna do? They're gonna run Kevin like Colin Sexton. Like let's not even get into like drafting Colin Sexton when like really if you were going to do what I described, why didn't you describe? Oh Shay, Shay, he's on the Clippers. Yeah, there's a couple guys on this team that like really if you okay, so if you're running gonna run a team around Kevin Love at the elbow. That's free throw line. Why didn't you get a point guard that could actually, like, you could do that around? I don't think George Hill is that guy, right? So you, you get a guy who can be aggressive at the point and play off him, like a Tony Parker type. You know, I mean, hell, maybe even Tony Parker now, like the zombie Tony Parker would have been better than what they have to actually run that offense. So really, I'm talking myself into the under really, really hard here, Danny. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like trying to find reasons not to say under for Cleveland, but, but no, I, I can't see them. And like, I'm trying to find reasons not to say play. Well, on the okay. Under. I have a, I have a reason that you can say for, for to not play the under here is, is, 
Okay, so let's take 30.5 wins as, as, as the line. It's 30 or 30.5 or 31. Last year, the Knicks were, I mean, they had a nice stretch early on in the season and then they fell off and Porzingis missed half the year. They played at a 30.5 win pace in terms of point differential. They ended up winning fewer games than that. I could definitely see this Cavs team being better than last year's Knicks. But that is far from a given. And, and oh, and we haven't talked about, so I, I, I mentioned the idea that the Cavs, like, they could try for the playoffs and then once they realize that's not in the, in the offing, they go in a different direction. The other big part of those incentives, we've talked about this for a couple other teams, but the balance changes for the Cavs is they have a protected pick. They have Cleveland. a protected pick. Yeah, yeah, that, so pick they, that pick that goes to Atlanta, they keep it if it's 1 through 10, and then they lose it if it's 11 through 30. So if they are in range to have to materially affect their chances of keeping the pick in, let's call it mid-March, then I think at that point they will go in that direction. And Cleveland doesn't have a ton of expiring contracts, so I don't think they would necessarily be huge players in terms of buying these dudes out. Maybe they could do something with George Hill because he has such a light you know partial what? guarantee. But I don't get like, you know what really confuses me? Why in the world did they pay Kevin Love? Well, I think they paid Kevin Love because he wanted to be there. They wanted to. Nate, Nate uses a good term for this, that they wanted to win the press conference because after LeBron left, they wanted to do that. And they did something which is just such an unbelievably bad mistake for a team that had the ability to wait, which is that they basically bought high on this idea. It's an unknown question about whether Kevin Love without LeBron James goes back to Minnesota Kevin Love. I mean, it's four years later. It's everything else. And they're paying him like Minnesota Kevin Love, and we have no idea if that's true yet. Here's the thing. I, I think Kevin Love is going to be really good. Or decent as like you're like a like a third wheel on a on a good team in its next stop. I don't think this team has the personnel or the so if this was Miami, right? So if Miami after LeBron left and they had Kevin Love and it was Spolstra who was doing it, I, I I would have every confidence in the world in Spolstra being able to build a team around like Kevin Love and like just make it make it work, right? And or like if it, it was you know, but but I I have no confidence in Tyron Lue being able to do this, and I really. I just, how does this team beat people? Like, I mean, like, they can't, they can't get a stop on defense, right? And they're not, like, their, their offense is, is a shambles. They run ISO and they really don't have the personnel to run ISO. So we're saying that they're going to have to scheme out. And I think this, I think this team is going to be a, a real mess. And I think it's, I mean, it's under for me. It has to be under, right? Because they, they, I just, again, they don't run competent basketball on either side of the ball. And they don't have the transcendent skill they used to have to compensate for it. So how are they winning basketball games, right? Other than, like, I think, like, the, the bottom of the East is going to be so terrible because a lot of these teams are just not even going to try to win some of these games, right? So, but even then, like, if you get, if you get, if you, like, how are the Cavaliers beating Celtics or the Raptors or the Sixers or even well, the Nets? For Net- me, I mean, it's, for me it's, Net- it's not about necessarily those games. It's thinking about how they're going to fare, like, when they host the Hornets and the Pistons. If they win those types of games, then they'll be, you know, probably in the mid-30s. If they look, lose they- those games, they're going to be in the high 20s, low 30s. The Pistons should not be losing games to the Cavaliers. I mean, but yeah, we can. That that's I think where the where the line is going to be drawn. It's not so much. I think they'll get their butts kicked by a lot okay, of. Okay, so teams. I think I think we're both on the under, right? Yes, I'm on the under, but I'm fading it. I don't know if you're going to play it or not. Uh, I'm I'm uh, uh, I'm going to play it because again, every single belief I have about basketball tells me that this is a terrible team. This is terribly coached, 
And really, I don't expect I don't expect I don't expect forty percent of this team to be here at the, at the end of the season, right? There's, there's just there's just nothing there, right? Well, I'm and something else we should we should talk about with kind of the argument for the under is that if they do the youth movement and go to Colin Sexton, whether they you know just trade George Hill, buy him out, however that goes, just like all these other young rookie point guards, he's probably going to be awful. And that isn't well, to say that he will be bad forever. I'm not. I, I wasn't as big a fan of Sexton as some people were, but. Young point guards are pretty much always ne- negatives and often significantly so for their team. Well, we, we, we've seen this movie before, right? We saw it when, like, you know, it, it, LeBron left the Cleveland with a terrible coach and nothing there, right? And, and I'm sorry for anybody who defends Byron Scott, but Byron Scott is not a good coach, right? So it, it's just... I Wait, can't, do people like, defend Byron Scott? Byron Scott was not a good coach. Uh, I, I mean, you know... I, I catch these things because you find crazy people, but like, you know, I, I, I can't, it, everything about me says this is under all the ancillaries are there. And I love, I love Kevin Love. I just, I just think this is, a, this team is a terrible fit for his talent. And I, I mean, he got paid good for him, right? I, that's give him props. Like he got paid. He got, he got a ring. He went to multiple finals. So I think, Hey, he's, it's winning for him. Right. But I think this is not going to be a good season for him. Since I, I don't think there are any of the other odds that we would want to play with. No, since no. I don't, I, since I don't think you can short division odds. If you could short division odds, I would absolutely do that with the Cavs. Oh, Cleveland, but, Cleveland is not winning this. Like, no, they're, yeah. they're no. but it, I don't think you're allowed to short division odds. So we're not going to talk about it. Plenty more to talk about with Arturo Galetti, but we have a message from our friends at Bet Online, and this is an absolutely awesome time if you're interested in sports. Not only do you have baseball really getting into the playoff push, but football, and I've been more engaged in that with the Bet Online contest they're doing. They're doing among the Podcast One Sportsnet hosts. I had a much much better week. I think I I think I got four out of five right in week two, which is great. And moving up in the rankings, I think I'm middle of the pack right now, which is exciting. And you can also join the conversation on Twitter about that with the hashtag Sportsnet Challenge to keep track of it. And there are a bunch of us that are doing it, which is pretty exciting. And so you can go to betonline.ag, check it out for yourself. If you use the Podcast One promo code, that is P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and then the number one, you get a 50% sign-up bonus, which is awesome. And really, whatever you're into can do it right now. I mean, we're getting close to basketball, which is exciting, but football, Saturdays, Sundays, now Thursdays and, and Mondays, of course, as well. And if you're going to watch the game anyway, it's a, it's a way to give it a little bit more interest, or maybe there was something that you, you have a free night and you weren't maybe that invested in a matchup for a given reason, then you can make it more interesting with betonline.ag. And again, promo code is podcast1, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and then number one. If you want to check out the challenge that I am a part of, you can go to Podcast One Sportsnet's website, and it's right there on the front page. You can check it out, see how I do in week three. So next up is the Orlando Magic. The Magic last year, another important point differential team. This is the absolute opposite of last year. So last year, they they out exceeded their... So two years ago, they exceeded their point differential. This past year, they only won 24, but they played like a 28-win team. And I think that difference will matter for a couple different reasons. One, I think... Steve Clifford is a better coach than Frank Vogel, even though Frank Vogel was brought in for very similar reasons. And the other positive that you could say is that, you know, most of their talent is on the positive end of the aging curve. The only thing that is keeping me from being more confident about this over is the point guard situation. And I mean, if if this team can't score reliably, that's going to sabotage their defense to a point and going to drag them closer to or even behind this number. Oh, and I didn't give the number. 30 and a half if you want to bet the over, 31 and a half if you want to bet the under. Yeah, uh, I think that, again, (laughs) the magic. Do we think, okay, so do we think this magic team is better than last season? 
Have they done anything to make themselves better? And honestly, you could argue the fact that like they have a bunch of rookies. They are better. We like their coach. So they are better than the 24 wins last season, I think. I think, you know, if I was betting on the Magic, I would say over, right? I think they're going to be in the 30 to 35 win range. They're well coached. They're going to play like a tough defensive style. I like some of the pieces that they have on this team. I'm a, I'm a fan of some of the talent that they have on this team. It's just, it, it's still Orlando, right? So Orlando, I always feel like Orlando's going to find a way to screw this up somehow, right? Like it, it, the history says, like somehow this team is going to figure out a way to kind of screw this up. But I'm going to go over, but I'm not going to play it. Yeah, I'm going to go over and fade it as well. And something else to consider with this team is just how, many, how much time they missed due to injury. So Aaron Gordon played 58 games, Fournier 57, Vooch 57. The only, like, DJ Augustine played 75. That's significant considering he was one of their few competent point guards. They traded Alfred Payton and then he was an absolute disaster in Phoenix as well. And so that, that wasn't a sign of like, oh, the magic are so messed up. It was Alfred Payton just wasn't good. And so if they had signed, let's say Isaiah Thomas or just somebody else, I would be hammering, but granted, they also probably would have raised the, raised the line, but I'd probably be more confident in it. And I could see this falling off, which is why I'm fading the over. But like, if, to me, if, if you're looking at, and this is going to be astonishing to some people, but partially because they're young and competitive, and I also like some of their depth better, I think I would rather have Orlando's roster than Cleveland's. Oh, no, no. Is this stunning to people? They're, it they're, probably will be to some. There are pieces on this team that I absolutely love on this team. I love, oh, I love Isaac. Isaac is great. There's, there's, I love Isaacs. Aaron Gordon was having a season last year before he got hurt. I mean, there are pieces in here that I'm like, oh, no, these pieces are nice. Like, Bushevik is, is a guy who could be good on a, on a, he could be like your third or fourth guy on a good team and like really be decent. There are pieces. Alfred Payton isn't a bad player. It's just, you know, it's been weird. They've gotten hurt. But this is like, there are a lot more interesting pieces on this team. Like, like Cleveland has the best player of the two teams probably in Kevin Love, but they're not going to use him probably. And I think there's a couple players on this team that like have the potential to like, you know, Orlando with some coaching and development could be a 40, 45 win team fairly quickly. Right in the next couple of years, right there. So there again. I mean, I think it's it's always kind of the, the thing with Orlando. They never kind of seem to realize the potential. But no, the talent is the, the talent is kind of there. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's not bad. It's stunning. I think we're both on the over. I think we're both on the on the fade. We are we are both on the over and the fade. And I don't. There isn't anything in terms of like their division odds or anything else. Even though there isn't really a team in this division that I love, that would be too much to ask for them. Like. I could see them being moving quickly into the future, but they're not there yet. And and the other thing we should mention with Orlando is I think the biggest argument for the under beyond the point guard issue is just the gravity of teams in this area. You know, very few teams win 32, 33 games because usually you just fall past that or win above it. And they could go in either direction, depending on how the front office feels and all this kind of stuff. So I think that's something worth considering. That's part of the reason I'm fading the over as opposed to playing it. But we can move on to the Brooklyn Nets. I'm going to say, so the Brooklyn Nets uh, are a team that actually, I think the Brooklyn Nets are being run the right way. I think, I mean, they, they are constrained by certain things that they did in the past, but they, they've done a good job at, like, you know, maximizing the situation that they have. And they've gone out and, like, you know, they've gotten decent players. They're well coached. And I kind of like what the what this team has actually done, right? So, weirdly enough, I think they're clearly 
the fourth best team in the Atlantic, which is actually not bad because I think the three top teams in the Atlantic might like actually like contend for the best record in the league. But you know, I, I like how they're run. I they have some interesting pieces and players. I just think they're in the wrong division. And here's the thing. I think they can make the playoffs. That might actually be thirty five to forty wins, but I think they can make the playoffs. Something else that I think Kevin Pelton has done a really nice job describing with the Nets is that they have, at a, at a couple of different positions, they have a lot of different options. And generally speaking, mm-hmm. when teams have a lot of different options, you assume that over the course of the season, the right players will win out. And that also makes them more resilient in terms of injury. And that is a, a pretty significant positive for them. I mean, they have more wing depth than, than most teams, especially most teams of, of their ilk. And then, you know, they're a little, you know, the center they have, oh. assuming Ed Davis is going to play there, they have int- intriguing depth. I don't, like, Allen is, I like where he's going, but he's probably not there yet. I love, and, I love Kenneth Reed. I've always loved Kenneth Reed. Yeah, and, and like, uh, exactly. Like, Kenneth like Reed, if, if he, if he's still, a nice player. yeah, like, if those yeah. guys still have it, there are 15, 20, 25 minutes a game for those guys. If they don't, yeah. then the other guy takes the spot. And I think <laughs> that Kenny Atkinson is a very good coach. I think that he will have substantially more talent to work with this year. And the biggest reason that I would consider going under here is that it's the same thing that I said with Orlando, where there's gravity. I mean, if a team, you know... They own their own pick. I don't think they do own their own pick. This is the first year that they have had their pick unencumbered since, God, I want to say like 2013. It's been a really, really long time. And so if they had gone through the offseason differently, they could have structured this to be a significantly worse team. But they added good pieces, you know. They, they added they, they, Shabazz they Napier, have, Travion Graham. They have Denver's pick. So they have their own pick and Denver's pick, mm-hmm. right? Well, and, and Denver's is protected, but, I mean. But, they're, but they're, not, they're not going to have a chance at the number one pick. Because, like, this team is clearly better than, like, they're clearly better than the Hawks, the Knicks, and the Bulls, and the Cavaliers, right? I, I think this, and again, and I say this because I think if you look at the roster on this team, I think the interesting, like, the most interesting piece to me is, is Russell, because I don't think Russell's actually been a good player. And it, 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 they may they may want to move him because I think they have pieces that they have guys ahead of him that I wouldn't want to give up. I wouldn't want to give up time to Russell long term. So I think that there's a couple trades to be made for this team, and I think this team could be. As I said, I think this team could be in the 40 win range if they go if they try. And I and I kind of have an expectation that they're going to try. But given what you said, right? So I'm I'm very much leaning the over on this team. But I'm kind of thinking I'm going over, but maybe I'm thinking I'm fading it, right? That you can get them at 31 and a half. I think they're, if they try, they can win five, six, maybe even ten games more than that in the East. But I don't know that necessarily it could get weird in the middle of the season because they own their own thing. Again, it's weird because, I, again, I don't think they're going to be on the number one spot. My tendency is to go over, but my tendency is also to go over and fade. I'm definitely going over the this is another one of those tough calls between the fade and the play and but what i go back to is thinking about the same thing i said a little bit ago with cleveland which is when they play the charlottes and the detroits of the world at home and granted the nets don't have a great home court advantage that's fairly that's fairly clear but i think the nets are going to win a lot of those games and also they shoot a lot of threes they'll have better three-point shooters this year so that that actually sometimes hurt them and like they had some weird bad luck in close games they played a lot of teams really tight like Spencer Dinwiddie was getting fouled late in games and they weren't getting calls and while Dinwiddie still might not get those calls this year because he's still not as established as I I think he's a very good player and the Nets have a lot of these options so I think they're going to rise above this but it's still a brutally tough call in terms of playing it versus not playing it 
I'm going to play. You know what? Like, I, I believe in Kenny Atkinson. Ooh. I believe in this roster. I think if any one of these teams was to win 34 to 37, and I talked about how gravity could bring them down, like, I think they're about a 35, 35 win team on talent. You know what? If, I'm going to go. If I'm you're gonna, a, gonna, like, if you're a 35 win team, on talent. I'm gonna go play with it. I'm gonna go play with it because this year, like, so the, let's let's think about this a little bit because I think this is an important thought. I, I like I, I like the but I, again I like the pieces that they added to this roster. I think yeah. they're they're there's like they're well but, but so here here's where I'm going with this. So if they're a 35 win team on talent, first of all, you're often making these kind of tank decisions far enough ahead. I think they're going to be competitive enough that they're going to think in February that they can make the playoffs. And so that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a buyer, but I don't think they're going to be a seller. And so if they're not going to be a seller, then that helps keep the number higher. And if and, they're... And I think they, they, they have two picks. They have their pick and the Denver pick. Coming. Sure. And, and right, so also, so they, like could, they could move one if they wanted to. But also what that leads to is... And they can move they Kendall will, Russell, too. They, if they're pushing in, let's say, mid to late March, and some of these other crappy teams in the East are not pushing, that should give them an extra couple wins. I'm actually looking at their schedule now. One really big negative is that they play a lot of good teams at the end of the season. So unless those teams already have their seed locked up, like in the last month of the year, so they have five five games in April, Milwaukee, Toronto, Milwaukee, Indiana, Miami. Like all those teams could be trying even in April. So that's concerning. Let's do some role play. Okay, Kyrie Irving signs an extension with the Celtics. I'm the GM of the Nets. I pick up the phone. I call the Knicks. You're the Knicks. Hey, would you be interested in D'Angelo Russell for your number one pick? Well, I don't think the Knicks would do that because of his cap hold and everything else. But I get what you're going after, which is the idea that they could that they could kind of pivot in a couple of interesting ways. I also don't think Kyrie's going to sign an extension, but we can have that discussion. Wait, wait, no, yeah. But okay, but, but but I, I see where you're going with it, and and the other part of that is trading D'Angelo Russell doesn't necessarily make the make the Nets a worse team. Like I love Spencer no, Dinwiddie, yeah. I think Spencer Dinwiddie's there. Nap- I, I think Russell's better than Napier, like expected value wise. But there are, there are certainly circumstances where Napier's right. better. I mean, Russell Russell had some rough moments last year. I think Russell's better than him overall. But yeah, if they could get something of value back for him, there are a lot of different ways that that could turn if yeah, they somebody, decide he's not the answer. Somebody has to win these games in the in the East, the bottom of the. East. And I think the Nets are a good candidate for it because again, I think their their um, their cost of them losing is not that high. of them winning is not that high, right? So I think that they can they can go out and get the eight seed or the seven seed in the East and 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 you know have a fun first round player Caesar series against Boston or Toronto. And and again, here's the thing: I, I've been to a couple Boston uh, games in in, in uh, Brooklyn and. They're fun, and I think again, this team is going to be fun. I mean, they were fun last year. They the players they added are certainly guys who were fun, so it, it should be a fun team. And I think it's it's going to be good. I mean, I I mean, it's not going to be great, but I, I think it's going to be decent basketball. Yeah, I think it'll be decent basketball too. And let's move on Sorry. to the Charlotte Hornets. This is another great point differential story. So Charlotte, they only won thirty five games last year. They dealt with some injuries, but Kemba stayed really healthy. I think he played eighty games. And the Hornets, they won thirty five, and the over under is. Set at either 35 and a half you want to go over 36 and a half you want to go under but they played they had the point differential of a 500 team last year it was just that they got annihilated in close games and also remember they had an awful 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 bench last year so for me almost every single fundamental is in favor of the over here the thing that gives me massive pause is Kemba, because if they trade Kemba, they're going to go off a cliff, and that's 
really concerning. And, you know, they had a coaching change. I think Clifford's a good coach. I know very little about James Borrego because he hasn't been a head coach anywhere. He's been a you know, Spurs assistant recently. So that gives me some pause. But there are two things that counteract that. One, Charlotte is probably, if they're, if they're as good, if they're at the level that I think they're going to be at, they're going to be in the playoff mix. So that's one factor. The second thing is, I do not think Charlotte is well run enough to realize that trading Kemba is the right idea, because if they were, they would have already done. I kind of feel like this team is about to go off a cliff, and I think that there's a good chance that Kemba's gone. I think there's a good chance. Batoon is 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 not worth it on Charlotte, but put him on a put him on a good team, and and he's totally worth that contract. I mean, like you know, put him in a, as, a, as a third wheel on. You know, I, I mean, the Rockets. It's interesting. The Rockets could have been a good a good team for him, but they they ended up like going in another direction. Obviously, but I think that I think this team is going to go off a cliff. I like the under on it. I think that there's enough leeway on this that I'm probably going to stay away from it because I don't know what the hell this team is going to be come like the All Star break. Like I don't know. I think that I think that like they're going to blow it up. I don't know exactly how. And so I'm 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 of the opinion that this is kind of like the end for this particular Charlotte Hornets bunch. I think you are close to right there. I mean, there there is a lot of downside risk here for a bunch of different reasons. I mean, especially we're back to the story that was true two years ago, that Cody Zeller being healthy really affects this team. His backup center is Bismack Biombo again. And Biombo's intriguing. Maybe he can do a little bit there, but there are concerns. And Charlotte, you know, like they have some like potential kind of like gambling, like guys they could get that guys they could have a better season. Like if Malik Monk really shows something, I think Miles Bridges could, but it's probably a little early for him. And so that could help on the margins, but it's a lot to ask for those guys to be more than like rotation players. And so I think my theory on what's going to happen with Charlotte is that they'll be okay this year and fall off in 2019-20. But the possibility that you're right is what is leading me to fade the over, even though I think personally that the most likely outcome is that they win significantly more than 35 games. But because of that downside risk, I I don't want to feel like an idiot for betting they're over because like there's such an easy logic to exactly what you said. Ring 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 ring. Hey Michael, it's uh it, it's the Knicks. Uh, number one pick for Kemba Walker, and uh, actually this one I think could happen, and here's why because Kemba has one year of his contract, and like what we've seen with stars on the last year of the contract is they have all the leverage. So if Kemba does not want to sign in Charlotte, and do we know where Kemba Walker is from? Because I, I don't I do, I do. I, I, <laughs> Where is he from? He's from New York. I think he's. I, I don't remember oh. which. Bur- I don't remember which borough he's from. He might be from oh. Queens, but he's so, definitely yeah. from New York City. I, I think there's a really good chance that like Kemba, Kemba like is going to force a trade, and and he's not going to be there at the end of, at the end of the season. And he has all the leverage on it. And we've seen that these contracts, like at Kemba's level, I mean, the more that like Charlotte waits, the less they're going to get. If Kemba's not signing in the off season, the amount of things that they're going to get for him is going to go. It's going to drop down a cliff. So again, I think this team is going to have so much uh, turmoil that, like, yeah, it's the under. And I'm going to fade it because of what you said. But I mean, I'm almost tempted to play it, right? Because I think that like it's very likely this team gets blown. So to correct my Kemba Walker, New York, I got the wrong borough. He was he's from the Bronx, but he played high school in Harlem. So Queens was just oh, good Lord. Wrong. Yeah, no. But that covers that covers two of the, the five. The, so the, the Knicks the Knicks are going to be calling for Kemba like three times a week, basically. And it and it, it's it's very interesting to try to think about what what Kemba wants, and that's because I mean you could also think because his his salary is low and his cap hold is pretty modest. I don't think the Lakers are going to come calling. 
Actually, the Lakers' possibility would be way more interesting in a sign-in trade, but I think Lonzo's the answer there. We'll talk about that well, yeah, in, the, yeah, Lonzo, in the Western Conference. But he lost for Kemba. That's interesting. But but there are a lot of but there are like but I think Kemba like there are a lot of different ways that could go. Some of which are him getting traded at the deadline. Some of those are actually a sign-in trade after the season if there's a destination he wants to go to that doesn't have space. But yeah, that's that's what keeps me from the over. I actually like Charlotte's talent, and I think they're better than a lot of the bad teams. They should be able to beat up on those guys, but. But that downside risk is just, it's just too significant for me. So this is kind of the the counter to, I guess, I think that was the Bulls where it was like, I bet it, but I was confident in it. This one, I'm actually more confident in the Bulls than the Bulls, but the, the downside risk is a little bit there. But let's move on to the team that... Wait, 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 oh, wait. You're, on the, you're on the under and fade, correct? I'm over fade. Over fade. Yeah, like I think the most likely out- I think the most likely outcome here is that they win like forty, but was- because of the downside risk, it's just it's not worth betting because I don't want to feel that dumb. What do you think about their odds at six eighteen to one to win the division? Okay, so that division you're talking about Washington, you're talking about Miami. So I don't eighteen to one is about where I would consider playing it, but the problem for Charlotte is. It would be very surprising to me if they won more than, like, let's say 44 games. So, usually for me, when I like betting, we talked about this a little bit with the Sixers last year, even though they didn't win their division. But if you like a team to do that, it usually either means you're betting against the teams at the top, which I would be doing in this case, and you're betting for the, like, upside. And the problem is they're going against teams like Miami, who I think can do, they'll be in the like low to mid 40s kind of no matter what. And so that means Charlotte's pushing towards their top end. So I'd consider it. Like if I, if, if we stop seeing many, many bets that I like, then maybe I'll go after it. But ah, it's, it's right. It's a, maybe a little bit like if that was 25 to one, I would really like it. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I, I I understand that. I thought, let me throw that out there. Yeah, I'm happy you yeah, did. This, I'm, I'm really happy. This is you did. this this is not the place where I would do that. But yeah, I mean, there, yeah, but there there are other places, and certainly I wouldn't throw anything on their like conference odds or anything like that. Yeah, no, let, let's not think yeah. about it. So Detroit last year they won 39, and Vegas thinks they're going to be at a very similar place because if you if you think they're going to get exactly 39, you could bet the over and win and bet the under and win because it's 38 and a half and 39 and a half. Ah. Uh, Okay, so how do we feel about the new coach? Casey is interesting because I think there are there are things that I that that genuinely frustrate me about him, you know, like his playoff rotations and all that kind of stuff, but something that I re- and his crunch time lineups are often weird. There are two things that I think are important to note. One, his teams have generally, in my opinion, outperformed their talent level defensively, which is a good thing. Uh, and okay. I think he generally, young players have done well. I And again, with coaches, it's always hard what credit goes to them, what credit goes to the staff. But... And Stan Van, I, I think of as a, as a very good coach. He was not a good team president. So that, that's why he, that's why he got fired. But then the other kind of big question that you need to talk, that we need to talk about with the Detroit Pistons is really figuring out what the representative sample with this team really is because the team changed so much during last season. Yeah. I mean, I think it kind of comes down a little bit to Blake. So. I'm not the case, I'm not the biggest Casey fan in the world. I'm actually like I'm a detractor. He I don't like his rotations. I, I just realized that he's probably going to love Reggie Jackson and he's going to try to run the offense around Reggie Jackson, which is going to be really interesting and maybe not that great. Um, I think 39 is a good number for this team. Um, I don't. I mean, if Blake goes out and has a monster season, right? Uh, this team could win 45 games, right? They certainly have the talent to win. You know, they have the talent to win. 
40 games in this in, in this conference, right? But it's not. I'm not. Eh, I'm not in love with it. I mean, you know, their, their top three: Blake, Drummond, and is it Reggie? You know, I can I, I actually like Ish Smith probably a little more than Reggie. I probably like Ish and Ozzy Calderon more than, than Reggie Jackson. But that's just me. I like the over, but I wouldn't play it. Yeah, this is this it. is this is a probably one of the best lines out there where I'm just really torn, and that is it for me. This is one of the easiest fades out there because. You know, it's like right exactly. I, I could see them getting an exacta there, and so you don't want to bet it if it's that close. And the Pistons last year, as a point of reference, after they made the Blake Griffin trade, you know, like after he started playing on the team, they uh, had a they had the point differential of a forty-two win team, and so that is a little bit better than this projected number, but not so much that you would say, oh, well, that you know, that's the more representative sample. And I like some of the young guys they have. Luke Kennard, I thought, showed some stuff last year. They have a couple of different bites at the apple at the two. I like Reggie Bullock. I don't really love Langston Galway, but if he's just a rule guy, that's okay. And Drummond has been pretty... I, he, I think he played all 82 last year. Blake is a big question mark there. But I think they can... I think they can make do if he has to miss some time. So I'm going to fade the... Oh. Well, I was gonna say I was I, I almost said the word over, but uh, it's uh, I mean it's tough because so I think I'm gonna go I think I'm gonna fade the under here for for when when I ever have a, a tough call and it's a team that is on the playoff fringe or worse I generally then what I think too is I think about like the reasonable best case and the reasonable worst case and for me the reasonable best case for them is probably in the like 45 win range and the worst case is that the wheels just fall all the way off the wagon and they're in the low 30s and I don't expect all, I don't they, expect they either one of those but when the downside risk is higher than the upside then that makes me think okay that means I'm really thinking the under and I just need to convince myself of that they have no picks incoming they have no picks outgoing so they're on their own pick Right. I don't think that division is so bad. It's so so bad that I don't see how. Like even in that situation, it's so so bad that they're going to win some games. It's going to be on the over, right? So well, and, and <laughs> in general, the Eastern Conference has a lot of these kind of teams that you and I don't believe in, and so they can pull they can pull those games. But let one, me, of let the, me. one of the things to think about though with the Pistons is the West does not have many of those teams. And uh, depending on no. how, how all this works out, and so that could work against Detroit. That there aren't as many gimmies, and playing uh, Eastern Conference team playing Portland. on the West road trip is always tough. To, to, to give an example, Portland would be a four seed in the in the East easily, probably. And so would the Pelicans. I would, I would expect them to be the four seed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Pelicans. Might, Pelicans might. Yeah, Pelicans would definitely be the four seed, and like they might like fight it out for the third seed. Well, like, so here, I'll give you the other example of this. I was talking about this with somebody recently. There is plenty of downside risk, and we'll talk about them on the second part of this podcast. But if Memphis were in the Eastern Conference, and geographically there are some arguments to make that they could be. I've tweeted about that before. I yes. think I think they would they would be in the playoff mix there. And so then you think about the gravity in both of these directions. I mean, think about how different that is for Memphis. Like, they could win the same number of games, and in the West there are 14 games out of the playoffs, and in, in the East they're close enough where they're fighting for those wins late in the year. So, like, you could think about that, just the conference they're in, not even the distribution of games, just the conference they're in because of what it takes to get in the playoffs, making the difference of, let's say, five to six wins. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that definitely, you know, I, I, I should send you my realignment tweet where I basically did, like, I'd realign and move Memphis, and I created a, conf- a division called Hufflepuff. But, like, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, it makes more sense if you kind of divide it. There's a, the problem with, like, the, any realignment scheme in the, in the NBA is the travel, like, the, the, the Portland's, and the uh, Chicago's and the Minnesotas, somebody's going to get screwed on the travel. 
Well, right, I like, mean, the the answer here is to is to eliminate divisions and play fewer games. But the NBA doesn't want to do that because that would lower revenue. Like, if you play fewer games, the travel becomes less of an issue because you have more time between games. Yeah, but, it, it, but it's and not yeah, gonna I don't, we all it's we know. Oh no, it's not going to happen. That's crying over spilled milk. So, happen. were you so actually, were you underfade or overfade? I am overfade. Because, and I'm underfade. Again, you're underfade, but it's I mean, tough. I, 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 like this both, is. Th- I mean, I, under- I, I honestly expect to get this one wrong just because that's what the Pistons do with me. Yeah, but it's whatever. It, it's by tough. the way, questions. Blake Griffin, two fifty to one to win the MVP. I mean, can I throw a dollar on it? Yeah, like I think <laughs> like, that, like, I, that's a. I, I would do five dollars or less just because that would be a pretty sweet way to make like five hundred bucks. But I don't expect it now. Oh, uh, but two fifty to one for MVP for MVP. MVP, if you can put if you can put a dollar and if you can put dollar on it, and there are some crypto betting services that probably would let you do that. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be a dollar. It would be some fraction of a Bitcoin, a dollar on it. Yeah, which but, again, might, might, might might not be worth anything by the time we actually like like you actually get paid out. But I think uh, let's see the division odds for that is so the Pistons at well sh- wow six to one. The Pistons at six that I know eight to one to win the uh, the Central. Eight to one is too strong. Even though I don't love the other teams there, like this is what I was talking about before. Well, about, like, no, see, I love one of the teams in this in this division. But let, let's keep going. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, but but w- what I'm saying is like I think it's going to take more wins than I expect the Pistons to have to win this. So I I wouldn't bet that, and I would need to be more optimistic. And granted, I said the under anyway. But let's move on to the Miami Heat. The Heat last year they won 43 games. They had the differential of a 43 win team, and Vegas is lower on it. I, I and th- it just got announced after or right before we record this the weight's coming back. I'm not necessarily sure how that affects what I feel about their projected wins. I'm going over play here for a very basic reason, which is that I believe Eric Spolstra teams, especially with this personnel, will always compete defensively. And even though I'm not totally sure of their offensive identity, I think that'll be enough to get them over to get them over 500. And all they have to do to make this over work is to win 41 games. I think they'll do that. Yeah, they won 43 last year. We were both over and fade, and it was 43 and a half. And so we were off by half a game, but we both faded it. I like some of the talent they have. I like I like Bam. Uh, White has always been a problem, but I, again, I like Bam. I like Galinic. I like uh, Spolstra. They're giving us forty and a half in a, in, in a bad in a bad East, and I think that's that's a play. I mean, you, you got to look at Miami. You got to look at Spolstra. And I, I mean, I don't think th- th- there's no indication that this team is tanking, right? So I mean, I think this is a you know, can Eric Spolstra win 40, 41 games with this team in the in the in the Eastern Conference? And I think the answer is. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, what might be that, an even better play? What do you have their division odds at? See, that's an interesting question. I just I just pulled those up. So the odds on the division for the Heat are oh, interesting. Uh, the best odds I can find, I can't even find two to one on this. So I'm seeing them at around yeah, I'm seeing them nineteen ten, which is one point nine to one. So basically, right? about two to one. Yeah. I, I, so yeah. I'm debating whether that's a better bet. Because basically, in that circumstance, because of the structure of this division, you're basically betting on the Wizards being they're, worse they're than expected. They're basically plus 190 to, to win to win. So I think I would rather play their over than the 2-1, to one, but yeah. I could see it going the other way. Yeah, I mean, I, I know exactly why. Like, here's the thing. If the division odds, which I think are generally sharper people better, are like set at like plus 190... Then that over total at forty and a half is probably set low because they're 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 trying to throw all money on the old. like that is telling you that Vegas thinks they're going to win more than forty and a half games and I kind of and I kind of agree with that I think we're both on the over and we are both on the play I don't think we like any of the ancillary odds for this team right no or like no MVP odds no 
Ninja Spolster, and I don't think Spolster is going to win Coach of the Year unless he wins 50 games. And I don't think he's going to win 50 games this year. Right. Coach of the Year, even even now, is still a lot about what you do relative to expectations, and Miami's expectations are pretty much in line with what they're going to do. Co- coach of the Year or next coach should be fired. Well, Spolster's not going to be the next coach fired. Um, That's like that, but I'm joking, basically, how many, it's happened a couple times. Oh, like, it has. It has. It, it, it's like, yeah, no, he's the coach of the year, but like, no, not really. I don't even, okay. I, I, I'm just, I will admit this Casey. openly, I don't even remember who won coach of the year last year. Was Casey. it, for, oh, Casey won? Oh, yeah, and he got fired. <laughs> Casey won, a, I don't know if he got fired the day before or the day after. Oh, it was the day before, I, cause, or it was yeah. a couple days before, cause he was a, they, annou- they had announced that he was a finalist. I think that actually was right after he got fired. Getting into the playoff teams in the Eastern Conference, but I want to take a moment to tell you about Pluto TV. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. You can watch over a 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. And beyond that, what I really like is that Pluto TV, It not only does it not ask for a credit card, you don't even need to sign up to watch for free. So it's a very easy to work with. You don't have to worry about all this information and putting it in and, oh, maybe they're going to catch you with a charge or something like that. You don't input a credit card number. When I went through it, was really impressed with that. So so also another huge benefit of Pluto TV, it's available on so many different devices now. I test it out on PC, but phone, Roku, smart TVs, PlayStations, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, really anywhere else you stream, you can check out Pluto TV. Easy, completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows, hit movies for free. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV, really wherever you watch television, wherever you watch content, I think is a probably a healthy way to put it. We can move on to the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers last year... Are we on the Pacers? The Pacers or the, or the Wizards? Oh, yeah, sorry, the Wizards. I, sk- I skipped the Wizards because I want to skip the Wizards. <laughs> Washington last year, they won 43. John Wall missed about half the season. They played like a 43-win a team. Their over-under is set a little higher than that, 44.5 if you want to go over, 45.5 if you want to go under, and... Maybe that's because of the incandescent brilliance of Dwight Howard. I actually think the more important swap that they made was not Howard instead of Gortat. It was actually just adding Austin Rivers to their perimeter rotation. Just adding an extra body, as long as Scotty Brooks, your good friend, doesn't overplay him, which is certainly a possibility. The Wizards, first of all, this is a a pretty straightforward fade for me because I don't know what to read from this team. Yeah, uh, I guess I guess I'll start there and then I'll let you talk a little bit. Well, uh, is this team if John Wall's healthy? Although you know he wasn't in the best possible shape in the world when he showed up for like Team USA practice. But if John Wall's healthy and you basically swap the the second center on the, uh, the the Orlando Magic the finals team for the number one center on the Orlando Magic finals team in Dwight Howard and you added a couple like you added Jeff Green, you added Austin Rivers. I mean, I think this team is better than the team that, like, was out there last year. And the team that was out there last year won 43 games, right? Are they a great team? No, they're the Washington Wizards. But can they win 45, 46, 47 games? I think, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think they should. Brooks is good at, like, basically, like, pounding the hell out of his team and just, like, playing at, like, full speed. Like, it's when you get to the playoffs that he kind of, like, lacks the fine understanding of what you need to do. But he's a good regular season coach. He'll get these guys to play over their heads, right? This team should not have won 43 games last season with uh, the injuries that they had. So, given credit what credit is due, I'm not the biggest Scotty fan in the world, but he can do just fine in the regular season. So, I think this is an over and this is a play. I think 44 and a half is, is, is pretty straightforward for this team. I'm just going like, well, I mean... 
you know, if you think about what did they do in twenty, what did they do in twenty seventeen, and the Wizards won forty nine games in twenty seventeen. Is this team comparable to the team that won forty nine games the year before when they weren't hurt? And I'm going to say yes. The same logic I had with Toronto last year. So it's over in play. Now, are they significantly better? Eh. I think they'll be 48-49. I think it I mean I think they're almost the by default team in this conference, right? So like it's not like there's anybody else there to keep them from winning 49 games, right? So yeah, I think 46-47, I think 44 and a half is going to be pretty easy for them, right? And there certainly are combustible like chemistry elements with this team, but John Wall missed a bunch of time last year. Sadoransky stepped in well. Beal and Porter and all those guys, I think, can can step up a little bit. So yeah, I don't. I certainly wouldn't want to play this, but I think the over. I, I think the over is a better play than the under. So I'll overfade it. What do you think about the? Uh, oh, actually, you're, <laughs> they're they're minus to win the division. So nope. yeah, the nope, 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 no, 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 no. I'd rather I'd rather have the, I'd rather have the, I'd rather have the heat. To, I'd rather have the the heat at. But even at one plus one ninety, I don't think the heat. No, so I don't, it's like, I don't think. Like, eh. Now, how about any? Do you like any of the MVP odds on this team? No, me, me neither. I think they're not going to. They're not going to be good enough. And even if they are, like, I mean, there's so many good because presumably the guy would be John Wall. There's so many other good players at his position. Yeah, John John Wall John Wall's not win, John Wall's not winning the MVP. Yeah, right? I mean. It, I mean, even if he had an out-of-body experience, which, I mean, if he had a season like Kemba had last year, he's not winning the MVP. Right. That, no, that happened. Right. Where, like, no, it's, I think the, the upside is, hey, maybe he gets into, like, the fifth or fourth place, but he's not winning the MVP. Like, they would have to win 55 games, and I don't believe this team can win 55 games. Let's move on to the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers last year, this is another interesting point differential story. They won 49 in just a, a wonderful year for Oladipo and so many other guys. But they did play at more of a 46-win pace. The over-under is set more on that point differential than where they ended up because they're 46.5, and a half. And this is a, a really good line for me. I, I think that it, it's it's tough. Like, I could see Indiana, for me, if they won 47, it would not be a disappointing season at all. Like, if they won 46, because part of what they succeeded at last year, they had a, they shot the ball really well, and opponents shot the ball really poorly. Oladipo was amazing. There's a chance that, that he actually regresses from that point. I hope he doesn't, but there's some, some kind of warning signs there. But why I'm going to fade the the oh I was just going to say fade the over but this just like Detroit I, I kind of stopped myself let's I'll let you talk for a little bit as I kind of piece my thoughts together well it, here's the thing on this team they were like okay even with the point differential about our 46 win team last year do I like the pieces that they had yes I love Tyreek Evans Tyreek Evans has actually been a really good player recently he was really good in Memphis he's gotten to be like a really good player in his career they had Tyreek. They added uh, Kyle Quinn out of New York, who I love. So they added some pieces that I love to this team. It's a young team, so they should be improved year to year. So just on the gravity of, like, it's a 46-win team that almost beat LeBron in Cleveland uh, that should be better just because they're one year older and, like, Turner's a year older, all equals a year older. And they added some really interesting pieces around this team. So I think, again, I think this is an over for me and this is an overplay. I mean, it's, it's very obvious for me. It's like, is this team better than it was last year? And just age-wise, the pieces they added, they have more depth. And they just went through that kind of maturation experience, which kind of takes them to another place. I think, though, you know, it's set at 46 and a half. I think this team can win 49, even 50 games easy in this conference, right? I mean, I think, I think you won't be sweating this. I mean, you'll end up, like... 
at worst, you'll end up like in the 47 range because even if some guys get hurt, the pieces that they added, you know, barring like Oladipo getting hurt for an extended period of time, I think the pieces that they added are better depth than what they had. And they did have a lot of injuries in the season. Like, you know, they had guys who were in and out. But I think, again, I like what they did around the roster. Like the pieces that they added, tell me that this team is being run by a smart – like the guys that they've added in the last two or three years, tell me that Indiana is being run by a, like a really smart kind of front office. So I like it, and I think it's an overplay for me. I'm going to fade it just because Oladipo, it, it, there are two bets on, on it. One is that he's going to stay healthy, and the other is that what he did last year is, is just who he is now. And both of those are possible, but I wouldn't say they're anything close to definite, so that makes me a little bit queasy with them. Also, I'm not really sure how to feel about their defense. That's something that's kind of been lingering with me a little bit the last the last little while. Is like, you know, if they're not quite if they're not quite that team, let's say defensively, then that could hurt them. You know, it it would only make a marginal difference of a couple wins or something like that. But like, they they were 12th in the league in defense last year. I don't love their defensive personnel. I don't hate it to be sure. But if they're let's say they fall from 12th to 8th. This was- this is a really smartly coached team in that, like, I mean, they did a, re- they, did a fantastic, did a they, did, they, they did a fantastic job in the playoffs adjusting to whatever, like, so Tyron and Lou would roll something out and Indiana would, would adjust at halftime and just destroy Cleveland in the second half of those games. And again, it took like a, a superhuman effort from LeBron to get him over in that series. And a lot of that was because that team was so smartly coached and did things, they, they just did their tiny things so well that I don't see this team slipping, like, unless something catastrophic happened. I think, to me, it's like, it's a, it's an easy over. So I'm assuming you're going over fade, Over right? fade, yeah. Do we like any of the, like, do we add, do we like the division odds for this team? So their division odds are, it's like three to one. Uh, not even that. Like, the best one I'm seeing is, like, uh, division odds for them is plus, like, basically 1.7 to one around, right? So Okay, it's so like 1.7. So... I think I would rather, I wouldn't play either, but I would rather have their division odds than the over-under just because the kind of upside-downside play, but I wouldn't play either one of those. Okay. And, I, so and, and for me, like unless Oladipo's MVP odds are like 500 to 1, I wouldn't play it. I think there's an outside shot he has that kind of year. But again, if the Pacers aren't going to win, you know, like 54 he's at, or something. He's at, a, he's at 100 to 1. Okay, I wouldn't bet him at 100 to 1. Yeah, I wouldn't bet him at 100 to 1 either. I mean, there's, I, there's I, like, no... I like Oladipo. His his season was an absolute triumph, but that's think, that's a lot. I think the Pacers. The Pacers, I think the Pacers are going to be interesting. I think the best Pacers are going to be. They're going to be in the in the conversation for fourth best team in the East, right? It's they'll either. I think they'll either be the fourth or the fifth best team in the East. Right? Well, they're in the conversation because the rest of the conversation is super sad. That's that's pretty. Well, no, much... I, you know, I think again. I think this is a, you're underselling the fact that this is a good young team. That like matured last year, they're going to continue to mature. Well, thing. well so I was, here's the thing. I think there's an important point I want to make here. They are a young team, but they're a little bit less young than people think. I mean, so this is going to be Oladipo's age 26 season. Collison, Bogdanovich, Thaddeus Young, all those guys are late 20s, early 30s. Miles Turner's younger, but I I don't expect it. Like his strides would come on defense, and I I think he's kind of who he is at least for the next couple of years defensively. So do I don't. Think have, I think their bigger like upgrade the is talent. I think I think like adding Tyreek makes a big difference for me. Like Tyreek, adding, Tyreek, is, adding Kyle Quinn, adding did they uh, McDermott? Did McDermott yeah, I mean, well, I mean, but again, 
you're, you're getting this guy to be the tenth guy off your bench, sure. like your tenth guy. Yeah, and you're getting and, this guy to be a tenth guy. Then well, and that's and, and the other thing that I really like about Kyle O'Quinn, like I think there are some weird elements about adding him into this team when they're at full strength. But what O'Quinn's real value is that now, if Miles Turner or Sabonis misses time, they're still going to have 48 good minutes at center, and that's really valuable. I th- and that's that's kind of the yeah. idea of Aaron Holiday as well. Like Aaron Holiday, most rookie point guards, he's a little bit older than most, but most rookie point guards don't have much value. But now, if they either if if either Darren Collison or Corey Joseph gets hurt, or if they decide to trade one of those guys, should they want to, because they're both on expiring contracts, I think they can they can make that work better. And so they're they're I think they're more resilient this year. They might need to one, use that resiliency more, but they are more resilient. One to fifteen. Do they have more talent one to fifteen than any other team in their division? To me, no. I think the Bucks are more talented. One to one to remember. I'm talking about the top. I'm talking well, about, uh, well, one, one to fifteen, but I I'm devaluing eleven through fifteen because I don't care. Like okay. those, those okay. players. But yeah, if we're gonna count like everybody is important and like let's say like overall ratings or something like that, yeah, probably. Yeah, on a back, I think this team is gonna be like they're gonna be really like games like back to backs or three and fours, mm-hmm. or like you know you're you're getting like you're relying on like your you know your seventh or eighth guy. But I mean like you know they're, they're, you know even if a couple a couple of the guys are out, they've got Tyreek, they've got O'Quinn, they've got like they've got pieces that. You know, are competent basketball players, and I think that cannot be underrated. And I think, and again, I think this team is better than it was last year. And to me, it's like, it's better. Do I like talent more? And I say, yes. So I'm going over on this team. And like, it, it, this is not, again, it's also a team on the upswing, not on the downswing. Right? So 26 is when you have your, your best season generally. So Oladipo, like, you know, had a good season in 25. I would expect him to have either the same season or a slightly better season in 26 as long as he doesn't get hurt. So I think, like, I'm, I'm all in on it. I, I was, I was the guy, I mean, I love Tyree, uh, Oladipo coming out of the, uh, uh, coming out of the draft. I had him rated number one. And, you know, I think this is what I expected him to be coming out of college, right? And it took a while, but it's there. And so I'm, I'm going to go with it. Go with my first impression. So we are now coming to the fourth best team in the conference, uh, according to Vegas, and uh, I think according to me, the Milwaukee Bucks. So what do you think about the Milwaukee Bucks? The Milwaukee Bucks are going to be a case study in coaching. So yes. last year, the Bucks, they won 44 games despite having the differential of a 40-win team, but they left more on the table, in my opinion, than any team in the league. I mean, especially on the defensive end, they have plenty of, of talent to make that work. And then offensively, I think there's there's plenty of low-hanging fruit, too. So last year, okay, 12th in offense, 18th in defense. There is very little reason for them to be outside of the top 10 in, in defense with this kind of talent. If they go to a competent scheme, if they're, if they're well coached. And so like, okay, so we, I'm using cleaning glass for this. Last, at, at the 18th best defense, they gave up 109.6 points per end possessions. Last year, the 10th best defense was OKC at 107. So if you give the Bucks defensively, if you give them back, two and a half points per 100 possessions, you have a real team. And that doesn't even include the offense, where I think they can be better on that end, too. I love Budenhoser. I think he's a great coach. I think you and I are reading the same the same weird uh, Bucks uh, Twitter accounts and, like, seeing the same kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think this is a team with a lot of talent. I think they're clearly – I think that 46 – what is it, 46 and a half? That 46 and a half number is probably too low by, like, five wins. Easy. I mean, this is this is to me one of the easiest overs on the board. I mean, you've got out of the, the compo, the talent is there. There's a coaching upgrade. A lot of these guys are going to get better. I like Brook Lopez, who they added, and you know, I think this is a really good team. 
And, well, I mean, let me caveat that. I think this is a good team with a transcendent superstar in uh, Giannis Adelcampo. And I think they're going to be the fourth best team in the conference and probably win their division. And uh, to me, again, that translates at the easiest over on the board. Thoughts? It's a pretty strong over for a bunch of different reasons. One of them that you didn't mention but is important is that they have a lot of guys in contract years. And so those guys are going to be pushing. I mean, Bledsoe wants to get paid. Middleton wants to get paid. And that could lead to some strife if things don't go well. Like, Malcolm Brogdon had a kind of a weird lost season last year. I mean, yeah, he was the rookie of the year two years ago. I, I'm not putting too much weight in that. That was a super weird rookie of the year thing. But he only played in 48 games. He, he didn't really bring it back. If they can get 48 good minutes from point guard, from Bledsoe and Brogdon, sometimes playing those guys together, I think Snell can be better. And then the other huge, there are two other huge things. So one is, I think Thon Maker could be a much bigger part of this if he's competently coached, if they work with it. And even if Thon's not good, they have Brook Lopez, who's another another capable option. Like the center rotation should be much much better. And then the I, other I, thing I, is, I, I'm not going to comment on Thon Maker because I don't want to be accused of making accusations about players. I just sure so keep going. Sure, sure, sure. But then the other thing is. They did lose Jabari Parker. Jabari didn't bring much on the floor last year, and no, I actually no. think that I think they're going to get more of a positive from Ersan Ilyasova than they did from Jabari last year. Some of that is just that Jabari only played in like thirty games, and some of that is that Ersan Ilyasova can do a lot of the things that the Bucks need. I I like Giannis better as a power forward than as a small forward, and so that Ersan might push him out of position a little bit, but at least he's another competent player and. If the Bucks can reach the point where they're getting good coaching and competent play at every at every position or close to it for 48 minutes, they're going to be in a really good spot. Uh, it's an interesting kind of... So, do they move uh, Middleton or Bledsoe? I don't think they move Middleton unless he gives them some sort of indication that he's gone. He's just too important to this team and fits in beautifully. Bledsoe... Yeah. He's he more movable. He, yeah. He's more movable. He has the challenge. First of all, they have other guys at his position. Like Brogdon, Brogdon yeah. can step in there. And because Bledsoe and Giannis, yeah. like Bledsoe, he, he doesn't fit as well with what they do. Like he sometimes he wants to take bad shots. Bledsoe, another guy, there this is a story for a lot of different players who should be a better defender than he is. Bledsoe actually was that guy back when he was on the Clippers, yes. when he was playing with yes. Chris Paul. And I could see that being really frustrating for Budenholzer, who it seems like has a voice in the personnel process. So I think it's substantially more likely that they trade Bledsoe. I don't expect it, but I think it's substantially I, I think, more likely. I think, there's a, I think there's a real chance that Bledsoe flourishes under Budenholzer. Sure, that's all. Awesome. Yeah, that, exactly. And, and if that doesn't happen, then yeah, he, he makes a move. Yeah, he so, could. He could. But, but again, like, see, this is like the opposite of Cleveland, where Cleveland has Tyron Lue, and I don't believe in anything he's doing in terms of schemes or maximizing his players. And this is the exact opposite. Budenholz is coming in. He's going to maximize the hell out of these players. They're going to be playing smart rotations. They're going to be playing smart schemes. He has the talent to actually, like, run a really top, like, a top 10 or top 5 defense. So, yeah, I mean, to me, this is an easy. I mean, I think this team is is better because, I mean, they, they've got the talent. They've got the coaching. And I think it should be a fit. Like, and I think I say I think they'll make moves, but I don't think they're gonna like. I don't expect any moves that this team makes are gonna be like ill advised. They'll be they'll they'll make the room the move that makes the most sense. And you know, if I feel that good about a team, I'm like going to go over. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely, particularly in the East. Okay, so we should go through some of their other odds. Uh, so division, they're basically almost they're going almost even money to win that division. Slightly better than better than even money. 
So basically, that's you're betting. A, that's not a bad bet. I I don't think it's necessarily one of my favorites, but I expect them to win this division. So yeah, so I think I think yeah. I mean, I think a them at plus one ten to win that division is probably a good bet. I, but I would rather I, I would at basically the same number. Yeah, I would rather say, bet the over. I would rather bet the over. I'm gonna say the like uh, and let me see. Yeah, they're 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 like plus one ten to win. But you know what they're makes me what, what makes me think that it might be stupid to bet the to bet the over instead of that is that really the only team that's in that mix is Indiana. I mean, maybe, maybe Detroit if they win like forty-five or something in that range. No, it's either them. It's either them or Indiana who's win this. So it, it's entirely possible they could win this division with forty-six games, and so that would make you feel stupid if you bet the over and not that. But I think that's a less likely outcome. And and I don't know. I like betting the over, and it's it, it's it feels like it's a more solitary thing. Like it's like okay, as long as the what Bucks about, take care of their business, that's fine. What about the Bucks at twenty-five to one to win the uh, the conference? Ooh, twenty-five to one is interesting. Uh, that's, yeah, that's about much. that's about where I would start to consider it. The problem for me is that there are some parallels here with some of the stuff we said about the Sixers last year, which is that they could be a lot better and still not be good enough to win this conference, and that's always a concern. Twenty-five. I mean, maybe you throw a couple bucks on it. I, I just think that would be a fun bet to have in your like to have in your pool, like to just to say, like, hey, like if the Bucks win the conference because they absolutely could. I mean, would you rather? Would you rather? Would you rather have the Bucks at twenty-five to one to win the conference, or Giannis at five to one to win MVP? Giannis at five to one. I yeah no I think the best bet I think the best bet for them well I like the over but over I, I would go over is, over then Giannis then divi- then conference then division I think that's what I would do but Giannis at five to one is strong I mean especially if like you and I both think they could win fifty if they win fifty he's in the conversation I think he could have an unbelievable yeah because I think year. I think uh, again the guys in front of him are all going to be in divided situations or like not as good situations I think yeah. And there's, there's a there's a world where where Milwaukee wins fifty three fifty four games. Sure, absolutely. Right? And and then I'm gonna say so we're saying Giannis at five to one is strong. Twenty five yeah. to one conference. That's conference. It's not bad. Like it's I would say that's intriguing. It's okay. Intriguing and is probably the word I would use. Okay. And then I go plus ten to win the division might be nice, but it's, it's probably like. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, it's there are better bets on the board. Let's move on to the Sixers. This is going to be an interesting one. So Philly won 51 last year. They had the differential of a 54.5 win team, which is basically exactly where it's set. If you want to go over, it's 53.5. you want to go under, it's 54.5. And I'm going to let you talk first because I think my opinion is off the norm on this team. So I'll let you talk first. So, again, this is a very young team. And they won 51 games, but they were better than that for a long part of the season. They were the best defensive team in the league for significant portions of the season. And again, what really happened to them was they, you know, they ran into a team that schemed them out and was able to put them in like bad situations. They didn't, they, they just didn't have the uh, playoff experience or like kind of the wherewithal to kind of like see themselves out. But, you know, they run these like lineups where like almost everybody's seven feet tall. They've got shooting, they've got size, and, you know, they weren't healthy last year when they won the 51 games. 53 and a half, it's an interesting number. I think that I would go over on the Sixers, but I'm not sure whether I want <coughs> to play it or fade it, so I'm going to hand off to Danny and let him talk a little bit. This is one of my favorite stats that is out there for anything, and I'm going to say this stat, and then it's going to be surprising uh, what I say. Shoot, shoot a three coward? No, sorry. Yeah. Well, it relates to that gentleman. 
Last okay. season, when Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid played together, do you want to guess Philly's net rating? Uh, some, it was something like plus 16, I believe. I tweeted plus this out. Plus 16.1. Yeah, plus 16.1. That's hilarious. Wasn't it me tweeting that out? I think I tweeted that out and got like 100 retweets. So I think it was probably me who got that out. It, it so, yeah, very they, well they, might they be. Were I was, I was, it, like, the, and it's very reasonable to say that they'll regress to the mean from that point. I'm not saying they're a plus 16 win team, when those, like a plus 16 point differential team when those guys play together. That's, that's unreasonable. But Philly has a couple of different things that run in their favor. So I'll say this right now. I'm fading the over because that's just a really high number, but I expect them to go over because their defense is legit. Their defense is going to travel well. And then the other really, really, really important part to consider with Philly is that I think their bench is meaningfully better this year. I mean, they lose sight of this. It's, It's something that happens over the course of seasons because the season is really, really long. But for most of last year, Philly was just kind of grasping at straws in terms of their second unit. They that's why they really needed Ersan Savoy. They really needed Marco Bellinelli. Well, this year, they have Wilson Chandler, who's a nice little depth piece for them to have. Marco Fultz is hopefully going to give them more than he gave them last year, even if he's not a perfect solution. They're still uh, going to have to... By the way, in defense of Fultz, Fultz was actually good, like, uh, later on. Yeah, I mean, he, he provides... He can help a team, even if his jump shot isn't and he, going... And, he was, and, and he's he was not going to... It would be hard for him good. to shoot worse. Like He so, was good when he was broken, and again, this team... Keep going, keep going, but like... Yeah, I think you've convinced me, but keep going. Yeah, but so so the thing with the Sixers, so I think they'll have a better bench. I mean, it all depends on how much Simmons and Embiid play. I mean, that's just a gigantic factor. But their defense is going to travel. I think their bench is going to be better. And their offense... I think it has more upward potential than it has downward potential. A lot of these guys are learning how to play together. Brown is getting used to coaching actual good basketball players, which is a new change. And then something else to remember with Philly is that they actually played under their point differential last year. And when you look at Philly, other than the issues related to floor spacing, which we saw in the playoffs, and better rotations can help with some of that and having better players can help. When I watch them now... I see a team that could be at least solid in clutch situations. So if they can exceed their point differential, then they're an even more ridiculous team. But I, I'm a believer in the Sixers overall. I'm not going to bet this line just because that's a lot of wins. You know, like winning 54 games, they could have a six, this is again, they could have a successful season where they don't win 54 games. So that's why I'm not playing it, but I do really like it. And I could, you know, I could see them just having a ridiculous year. And I think the, so you know what I, I will say this, you, what, what are their conference odds? Cause I would, I would, I would be you, surprised. You just, if, you just helped me realize that I, I trust the process. So I'm going to go over and I'm going to play this thing. Interesting. Oh, this is going to make me so mad if they go over that I, I convinced I, you to play the over and then wouldn't I, do it myself. Well, but see, here's the thing, like, because, I, and I saw this because like they were the really the best defense. They, they're deeper. They're getting one year old. There are a lot of these, a bunch of these players. And really these guys are on the upswing on the curve. And if, if Ben Simmons has, a, has any kind of a jump shot, they destroy this over. And, I don't, and the other problem, and, I, and I've thought this is, it might take 62 wins or more to win the Atlantic, right? And it might. I think they're going to they're going to want to do it. And this team, you know, what we've seen on this team is like Embiid is a guy who shows up for big games. And the character of this team is this is a team that kind of gets upset things personally, and they'll show they'll be scrappy and show up. So they'll they'll care. It's like that like that it's that seventy three Warriors team who basically went out there and just wanted they were mad and they wanted to destroy the world. 
And I think this team has that kind of personality as well. So I think this is not a team that's going to be taking nights off, and I didn't see that. So I think they're going to be playing hard. They're well coached. They're on the right side of the age curve. And and something else here that's a good argument in favor of this over is that when they're engaged in playing well, they can lose to a lot of teams. We we know that. But they can also beat almost everybody. Like, I I think... I could see them winning at Houston. I could see them, I could see them beating Golden State at Oracle. I wouldn't expect it, but they could. They've, they've almost done it a couple times the last couple years. Like they were doing it like two years ago, they almost did it too. Like, yeah, they fell apart late if memory serves. Um, yeah, but the thing about this team to remember is this team will out talent the hell out of it. Like they're getting to that point where like, like literally it, it, it was that, I remember clearly in the Miami series when they had like, I think they had four seven footers on the floor and basically Hassan Whiteside went on the box and Ben Simmons basically shut him down in the post. And I'm watching and going like, oh, God, what the hell is happening? Because Simmons can literally cover centers in the post. And I was like, what in the world is happening? Like, this team defensively, at, at some point in the near future, is going to just – they're just going to keep somebody like 15 points in a, in a, in a half. Because you, you're just not going to be – like, if you can't shoot a jump shot, you're just not going to be able to score against And when you start thinking – when I start thinking like that and going like – Oh, I mean, the talent on this team is such. They're like, how is Cleveland beating, beating this team? How are the how are the Knicks beating this team? Like, wh- what are they doing to beat this team? Like, because this team is so tall. Yeah, I mean, so really, tall, the way the way that it happens is Philly misses a bunch of shots. Like that, I think. That's, or they, or they like don't get back and transition. Like they have they they have lulls. Even if they miss a ton of shots, like how is Cleveland scoring against this team? That's a good point. Like, where, where is Cleveland finding the points to put up? So, like, so the argument, the argument that you're making, and it's funny considering where their coaches come from, is that they, because of their defense, could end up being a team kind of like the Spurs, where they run all the really bad teams and then win, you know, a fair number of games against the good teams. So yeah, if they can go, they're not. Yeah, I don't know how they're, they're like they're, they're like Atlanta. How is Atlanta? Being yeah, like if team? they let's say they lose five games or fewer against the ten worst teams in the league, that's a lot of wins. Like that's yeah, a lot of wins. It's like that, that, and I think that's if you look at their streak at the end of like how many wins didn't they win like seventeen games in a row? Once Something like, like that, and a lot of those were without Embiid because he ran into Mark yeah, because, his shoulder. And yeah, it's, it's it's important to note that a lot of those teams weren't trying, and a lot of those teams weren't good in the first. Yeah, place. but like that, the thing was like it, it was the Spurs. It was a Spurs system. It's like yep. this team was so good defensively that like if you're if you weren't an elite team, you you just weren't. Again, it happened. Like, oh, one other thing to mention with them, I have. I haven't run through these numbers yet. I believe they're going to destroy people who are the other team is on the tail end of a back to back. Oh no, they're going to. Well, that's no, going to be rough. They're, they're, again, they're so tall too, so it's like they're going to be. There are teams in the league that just don't. They don't have the. Per, they don't have personnel to hang with this team. And I mean, like this isn't the case with the elite teams, but I think this team is going to like run bad teams off the floor. Okay, so um, we need to okay, talk so, about some of the other odds with this team. What are the division odds? So the the the, the conference odds are. Well, no, let's four, do the division. Let's go division conference. Division, well, conference, the, title. Let and, me get the Atlantic. So the, the Atlantic odds are, let me see what the best ones are. I believe about uh, 16 to 5, which is a little more than 3 to 1. <laughs> We're both kind of like. <sighs> I, I think there are probably better bets on the board than that. I, I don't mind it, but, I mean, I love the top three well, teams see, in this division what, so much. It's like, it's, like, it's like 3.1 to 1 to win the division. 
and then the conference, I believe, is uh, four to one. So basically, it's, it's the, 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 what the Vegas is saying is whoever wins the Atlantic, you, you might as well just take the extra points and bet them to win the Eastern Conference. Well, but I mean, it's interesting. Like Philly, I could see them because of some of the crunch time issues they've had, and like I mean, we could think back to that Celtics series. I could see them being worse in the playoffs than they were in the regular season. Like I could see them winning this division and then losing despite having home court. It's I don't. Possible. I don't, it's possible. I don't, I don't know. Only, so if I, I would rather bet. Ben Simmons for MVP than the 76ers to win the Atlanta. So what are, what are Simmons' MVP I'm odds and what are, what are Embiid's? I'm getting, I'm getting better money. I'm getting better money if I do that. See, but, but, but Embiid's not going to win because he's a defensive player. Well, well right? that's what so, I'm saying. I, I, what are, what are, do you, do you have those handy? So Simmons, so Simmons is going off at 70 to 1, 81. I see 80 to 1 for Simmons. Oh, uh, that's a little rich for me. I don't think I like it there. 80, and you don't like 80 to 1? Well, because here's the problem. He's not a scorer. He'll, he'll score, but he's not, and it's, it's still, and his and defense, his defense is going to be underrated for a long time because he's not the guy. Like so, even though their defense is going to be good, he's not going to get the credit for it. If he has, if he has a jump shot, he's going to. Well, like, yeah. If, I mean, if he if he can make if he can make God, jumpers, that isn't it isn't a bad number for sure. Do you have a number for Embiid? Embiid is a twenty-two to one. Oh no, I wouldn't touch that. That's way so too I think, strong. I think I think my bet my bet on Philly, would, I would bet the over, and I would bet Simmons at eighty to one to win the. Although, mm. I mean, because what's hard is well, like, see, Giannis. So Giannis's case so is just better in a lot of for ways. The last, for the last quarter of the season, the MVP of the NBA was Benson. I haven't thought about it, but that certainly seems possible they considering they, they, like, they didn't lost, lose. They, they lost one, I think they lost one game. Yeah. Like they, so, I mean, and MB didn't play for the most part, so yeah. Like, they lost one game where MB didn't play, so Ben Simmons was the MVP. Yeah, the, you're right. It would be good to throw a couple bucks on that. That's, yeah, yeah. And I mean, and there's certainly, I mean, I don't expect him to have a jump shot, but if he, if that's, I mean, there's also a chance I, that they win 60 I, games even if he doesn't have a jump shot. Like, that's possible. Yeah, but if, but if he, he comes out and he starts making threes and like making jump shots, it's over, right? Yeah, and and, it's, and they're going to they're, they're going to blow out the over. He's he if he's making a jump shot, he is literally unguardable. Like he's it's he basically he I compare it, he's magic. He's a seven foot Magic Johnson, right? And it's exactly how Magic Johnson was when he came to the league. Magic Johnson came to the league and he didn't have a jump shot. I remember I was I was there. He didn't have a jump shot. He was but he was so tall and he was so fast and he kept to the basket. And then he basically like they line up at center in the first finals because he was rookie and worked out. He was also like a little bit older than Ben Simmons. He was like I believe he's twenty wait wait twenty one is rookie season, so a little bit older. So I think that. If you kind of use that as a template, if he starts making jump shots, which Magic kind of did a little bit more later on the season, there they came a point where he was just, God, there's nothing I can do with this guy because he just can pass the ball. He's too tall, and he's going to duck on me. He can back off and shoot, right? And if that happens, then, yeah, he's the MVP. And he has the skills, certainly. I don't think it's guaranteed to happen. But am I taking, taking it at 8-1? I think taking it at 8-1 is, is great. Particularly, I think, I think again, I think they could – I think the Sixers could win 60 games, and I think if the Sixers win 60 games, and Embiid misses some time. So I'm betting that Sixers win 60, Embiid gets hurt for some stretch of the season, and Simmons finds a jump shot at 80-1. to And I think that's not a terrible bet. Yeah, it's definitely not a terrible bet. Are you overfade on Philly? I'm overfade, yeah. Okay, okay. Ooh, I think... Still have the top two projected teams in the Eastern Conference with Arturo. I think many of you know who they are. But first, a message from TrueCar. These days, news travels lightning fast, which is great if you're a sports fan. Between status updates, breaking news notifications, and Twitter feeds, you can always be up to the minute on every team and every game. Well, it's great for sports. It is the opposite when it comes to buying a car. Go online and you are bombarded with numbers. Invoice, list price, 
dealer price. It's hard to know how to recognize a good price. Not anymore. Introducing True Price from True Car. It is the only price you need to know because it is exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories. How do you know if your True Price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for that same car you want, so you know how to recognize a good price. And your certified dealers know this, so they set their True Price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. I think we're going to come to violent agreement on this. Well, let's just start with the Raptors. Toronto, last year they won 60 games. They had the point differential of a 60-win team. They famously moved DeRozan, Jakob Pertl, first-round pick for Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. Vegas thinks that they will be meaningfully worse. I mean, it's also <laughs> worth noting that, that Toronto, like, last year was ridiculous. So they'll be, so a uh, 54.5 is, is the, basically, if you want to go over or under, that's where the line is. And they changed their head coach. They went from Casey to Nurse. Nick Nurse has never been a head coach, so there's a lot that we don't know about that. But, so the Raptors are, are an interesting one for me for a couple reasons here. One is the, just the uncertainty with Kawhi Leonard at this point. You know, maybe if we were having this conversation on October 10th, I would feel differently but we're not having this conversation on October 10th. But something else I want to mention before we really get into the nuts and bolts of this is I think there is a distinctly good chance that they are much better in April than they are right now. So there, I could see scenarios where they go under, but that they are a better team than a 55-win team. And so that gives me a little bit of a pause in terms of this line, even though I like where they could be. So for basically the entirety of DeMar DeRozan's career with Toronto Raptors, Toronto Raptors were worse with DeMar DeRozan on the court than they were with DeMar DeRozan off the court. And so they got rid of DeRozan. They got rid of a coach that ran terrible schemes and like just didn't understand the players he had on him to the point where like the, the team had to call him in and say, you need to like play this different way. They got rid of that. So they got rid of a coach that was actually getting into the way of the talent, which is this is a, big, a team that plays big and has efficient size. Um, they got rid of a player that was kind of overrated for the system, was worth less on the court than he actually looked like. And they replaced him with some decent pieces without, like, giving a lot up. They got uh, Danny Green, and they got Kawhi Leonard, who Kawhi Leonard, when we last saw him playing, was arguably the best basketball player in the world. In that Golden State game, and before that, he was, he to me, he was the MVP of that season, and he was the best player in all of basketball. So, to me, you know, even... No, I think that I might argue they're slightly better without uh, or comparable to where they were last season. If like if, they, if Danny Green isn't hurt and then you can actually give them something and they, it gives more possessions to the rest of the team. So I think this is an over. This is a slam the over. This is like where's like I thought the Bucks was like easy. I think this is like bet the house on the over. Right. The the only way this isn't over is if Kawhi leaves in season, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think Kawhi well, is not going there to... There is I one think, other way, and that's if Kyle Lowry gets hurt and none of the other guys can really step up. And Kawhi, even, Kawhi isn't Kawhi. Um, if, like, obviously. So like, here, here's here's one Kawhi, basic if, thing to say. If, if Kawhi is Kawhi, Kyle Lowry could like not play a single game and they would win 60 games. Well, yeah, if Kawhi is Kawhi, this could be a 65-1 team. I don't expect it to it, be a 65-1 team, also because variance generally goes in but, the other But direction. here's the other thing. I like, I like the, but do you hate the, the other point guards and the other guards on Toronto? No, I mean, I, I like, I like Van Vliet, I like Darrell Wright, I, and so here's, the, here's another really important thing to mention here. Like, the, like the, Danny the, the, Green, a- Danny Green is, is not who he used to be, but if they have to go to it for periods of time, a starting five of Kawhi, of, sorry, not Kawhi, this is if Kawhi is unavailable, of Leonard, of Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, 
OG Ananobi, oh, yeah. Serge Ibaka, and Valanciunas. Like, that's a legitimately good starting five. Like, that group can win games, especially against, against teams that aren't, that are, like, outside yeah, I mean, of the I think, Like, I, they can, think and they have a great bench. They're still gonna have a great they bench. Have, they have a fantastic GM who can, like, correct things. And, and anything I think, that this team was deep, and they had, like, the way they won games was, they were deep and they were really talented, and, like, their second unit was just taking people off the floor. It was a very Spurs-like team in that, like, that second unit was so talented because of all the guys that they had that even if they lose some of the guys at the top, like, if Kawhi is Kawhi, if Kawhi plays 65 games on this team, this is a slam deal over to me. And, and to me, this is, like, to me, Toronto is a slam deal. Just don't even think about it, slam deal. If something happens, it happens, but slam deal. Like, everything that lines up tells me this is an over, right? It's an overplay and, for me as well. Yeah, it's an over. It's an overplay, and it's simple overplay because the numbers that fifty five, that fifty five, well, and, and also just, even with Kawhi, they have less downside risk due to injury than the than the Sixers do. Like I mean, just because Embiid is such a big question mark, and they have no replacement for him. Kawhi, we don't know, but they have a pretty good team, even if Kawhi can't play. They didn't. The Raptors' offense and, and, was not Danny predicated Green, on DeRozan as much as some Danny people think Green, it was. Well, actually, they were, like when they, they were down twenty eight points. To Cleveland, and then they took the final took the Rosen out, and they actually almost pulled the way back in the game. So his foots were insane during the season. Like it's they're bad in the season, but they're insanely bad in the playoffs for the for yeah. The, for and the, I think for, some of that is overstated, just because their bench is really well, good and he rarely plays with them. Well, no, but it really it really comes that it really does come down to the fact that the style that Rosen plays, which is ISO ball, ISO ISO heavy guard ball, and also like taking like these mid range jumpers, doesn't really work in the playoffs when the other team can bump you. When the other team can bump you freely. And when so the other make, team has better defenders, because like well, no, generally, but if they can, if they can play physics, so if they can go at Lowry and bump him off, and basically just let and just just either physically like manhandle Ramosan if he tries to dive to the hoop, or let him shoot mid range jumpers, his game doesn't work right in that particular situation. And, and again, this isn't really on DeRozan. This is really on like the style of game that they were playing didn't fit what you'd want to do with somebody of DeRozan's talent. And we'll talk a little bit more about DeRozan when we get to the Spurs, because people are going to be surprised about what I say about DeRozan when we get to the Spurs. But, like, Well, for, so let, let's go through some of the other other odds for this team. What are their division odds looking like? So the division odds for Toronto are, I believe they're going at, like, 2.5 to 1. No, wait, um, eh, about 3 to 1. Little, uh, 3.1 to 1. I like that. That, I like I, I like I like I three to one to Toronto. I like that yeah. uh, division and so conference is four to one. So would I you like rather bet the co- would you rather bet the conference or the division? I think I'd rather bet the conference because there's a, a higher chance that they're healthy then, and other you know like maybe other teams get hurt or something. I I think they're more likely to be a better playoff team than regular season team. Would you rather so Would you rather bet the conference, the division, or Kawhi Leonard ten to one to win the MVP? Kawhi hits all the historicals. He's been in the top three before. And he was, he was, he, he, hmm. what? He, well, no, he, I would, I would rather bet the, I would rather bet conference. I'd rather I, bet conference than that, but it, it, that is a reasonable bet to be sure. I would, I would, I love the Kawhi Leonard ten to one because people forget, like, it, there's a progression, and he was number three, and he was really kind of two A the last full season he played, right? Like Harden won it. I mean, there's some. Like feedback from the San Antonio market, but San Antonio market. I love the San Antonio fans, but it's a very small market. Kawhi, if this team wins sixty-five games in Kawhi's or sixty-two games in Kawhi's Kawhi, given how insane Toronto fans are, I mean, I think ten to one for Kawhi is really short. Like they will, 
that, like the Toronto fans will make the uh, the the craziest online campaign ever well, to get. But and the other part of it is, I don't think Lowry's going to get that big of a, a boost, and it's possible that like the Rockets take a step back. Like if, if the Raptors end up with a better record than the Rockets, and Kawhi gets the lion's share of the credit, it's pretty easy to make a case for him, and the easy case is there. So yeah, I, I think that's a if decent the, one. If the, if, the, if the Raptors win, get the number one seed in the NBA, which I think is a I would put that at four to five or five to one that the Raptors have the best record in the league at the end of the season for reasons. But I, you know, if they win the if I think of the if the Raptors win the Atlantic at four to one, right? If the Raptors win the Atlantic at four to one, I think Kawhi's that means the Raptors have the best record in the NBA and Kawhi is winning the NBA because historically, if the team has the best record in the league, there's a good chance that their best their clear best guy who's Kawhi is going to win the NBA. So I think that like if I think they're going to win the the Atlantic, I think Kawhi's winning the NBA. Because I think I think it won't be hard. Like if you start looking at the candidates, every other candidate has like issues, and Kawhi is the clear number one. And if I think they win the Atlantic, I think they they have the best record in the NBA, and I think he's the MVP. Like so, I mean, I I would say overplay. I'd say Kawhi is into one, and I think that conference or division. You said conference, right? I like conference better. I think there's a chance they're a better playoff team than regular season team because they'll they'll have some stuff to figure out. I love, and then we like the com- we like the conference at conference. And it's, but, I mean, po- like, it's possible I'm wrong and they're a better regular season team than playoffs, but I could see this, especially if Kawhi is Kawhi at that point, even if he's not at the beginning of the season, having that lockdown defender, you know, you have a lot of those things, probably Nick Nurse will run better rotations than Dwayne Casey, that seems reasonably likely, even if he's imperfect in other ways. So, I mean, the Celtics will be really good, the Sixers will be really good, maybe if the if the Bucks are probably the most likely team to step up there, but, I mean, the Raptors have a crazy high ceiling, and something else that's worth noting before we move on to the Celtics, I, I, I've been I've, I've been on this. I was like, it's going to take six, it's going to take sixty two wins to have the best record in the Atlantic, and it that might actually and, and it, that that'll that will probably be the best record in the NBA because yeah, I don't I think, think so. the Warriors, I don't think the Warriors will give a crap about like oh we'll, the we'll get hey don't we're, we're hours and hours yeah. it'll be a weeks later of broadcast with that but yeah. And so, oh, okay. But the yeah. other thing with uh with that, that I wanted to mention with Toronto is. They have a very natural lineup for going small, and I could see their small lineups doing really well. Like, they could play Kawhi at the four, OG at the three, Danny Green at the two, or they could even go two point guards, depending on how they're going to do it. And I don't think there's a team right now in the Eastern Conference that, other than maybe the Sixers, but there are some spacing issues there, that could really, really punish them for doing so. And Serge Ibaka, you know, not the same guy he used to be, but still a very talented player. And theoretically, if, if Kawhi is Kawhi, they could throw some of their other resources to get a better five for their situation. Like if that, well, that's, I, I, I like JV. JV was actually pretty good. Yeah, JV's, JV's fine. I mean, JV was actually really good in that series. It's just like, you know, I, I, I think there's him. an end game here where they're going something like Lowry, Lowry, Danny, OG, Kawhi, Serge Ibaka, and just wrecking teams. Even wrecking hey, good teams. Because hey, that's LeBron, a nasty Le- line. LeBron, the mayor of the, the owner of Toronto thinks that Toronto is a contender. Like there's there's tape of him saying that he considers yeah, Toronto. They one. are they are a contender. That's also probably some recruitment of Kawhi Leonard, but that's okay. Uh, I, are we ready to move on to the Boston Celtics, the last team in the Eastern yes. Conference? The last, meeting, yes. the projected best team in the Eastern Conference. The projected best team in the Eastern Conference. And, and given that I'm a Celtics fan, I'm going to let Danny start with the Celtics. So the fundamentals first, 55-win team, point differential of a 52-win team, but it is worth remembering just how big the injuries were last year. Gordon Hayward played five minutes last year. I believe it was five minutes and 15 seconds was the actual number that he played. 
Kyrie played in... Like 60 games, probably? Yeah, it was exactly 60. He played in 60. Yeah. Horford missed 10. Smart missed a, a, about a, a little more than a third of the season, I think. Marcus Morris missed about a third of the season. So, you know, they, they could face some injury troubles this year. They have a lot of dudes. But they're incredibly well coached. Their defense is is basically unquestionably legit at this point. And their offense is there, so... They were, and, they, know, and they, and they, is, and they basically a- they rolled back the team that came within like I mean really they just went cold and they lost all their legs in, in game seven or they would have gone to the finals and they were and missing they, they, two of their depending on how we want to classify it, two of their three best players and, possibly and, and, their and, two best players and they added and like they got all the all the youngs basically on this team have been through two Eastern Conference Finals pretty much and to that team they added Kyrie Irving they added Gordon Hayward. And they added Robert Williams, well, like quite a bit. Who might end up being like one of those guys. Like, yeah, he might not. Play, he might not play much this year, but I do like him long term. Yeah, it's like one of those guys. Like, how did he? Like, well, I think he's going to get a lot of garbage time run. Yeah, I think yeah, that could be. I think he's going to be getting some highlights and, and some garbage. And so, an, another important thing that we have to talk about with the Celtics is this team is just insanely deep at full strength. So, I mean, you have not only Kyrie and Terry Rozier at point guard, but then if Kyrie gets hurt, remember Kyrie and Marcus Smart were hurt at the same time last year, and while Marcus is limited offensively in terms of creating for other people is an option. Brad Wanamaker, I'm intrigued by as well. I don't know how his translations are looking, but, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm interested in him. Their perimeter rotation at the wings is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Morris... Se- Shemi Ojale. The, the semi-factory. You gotta talk about the semi-factory. It, Hello, it, weird. Com- Hello, it, weird Celtics com- And Marcus Smart. I think of Marcus Smart as more of a 2-3 than a 1, personally. That is just so much talent to put out there. Then Horford's gonna play some 4. He'll also play a fair portion Daniel, of 5. Daniel Fies is a good player. Tice is a good player. Like, th- the Celtics... They need to suffer serious injuries to not be playing 48 quality minutes and all even, the time. And even, they did it last even, year, but and, that's and what even, it takes. And even if they do, we know we can still win about 55 games. And yeah. I mean, it, so, took, it took it took some it like at the end of these like they would have won 57, 58 games if not for like some really really like bad injuries at the end where they would just rest. Yeah. People so to try to get so for the I'm I'm gonna overfade this on the basic point that 58 wins is a lot. But I think they well, will. It's like, 57 I ex- and a half. 57 and a half. I expect them to win 58, but I'm going to fade it just because I, I think there's a chance. I th- This is probably a play. Like, I'm openly admitting that I might be making a mistake here. But that's just so many wins. There, you, You're not going to see me predicting many teams are going to win 58 games. And so if this was lower, like where the Raptors line was, there would be more wiggle room here. I ex- But as I said, I expect them to, but I'm not going to play it. But I do expect them to go over. You know what? I'm going to shout out to, again, Weird Celtics Twitter. I'm going all the way to Rock City with this. So I'm going overplay. Like the, the we we got to go with the muscle factory and the Twitch guys, and we're gonna all the way, baby. They could like, be we're, crazy we're, good this year, and they're we're, we're coach, they're they're gonna win a lot of road games. Like there there are a lot of reasons to believe they're gonna do it. For me, it's just it's a similar reason to what we talked about with the low teams. Like it's just a lot of wins. You know, like this is this is this is kind of like the you remember the like the back in the days when the Spurs had that B unit. That B unit would still run teams off the floor. The B unit for the Celtics, right? The B unit, right? Is what? Smart, Rosier, Morris, Brown, Morris. No, no, Brown's going to start. Probably Rosier, Rosier, Smart. Well, no, aren't, aren't Tatum and Hayward going to start? Tatum, Hayward, Brown. They're going to start those guys two through four. Oh, so the Baines is in So you got Baines and Thighs. Baines and Thighs and, and like, Morris. Like, it, it's ridiculous. They can put out some. And then Robert, and then Robert Williams is your 11th man coming well, in I mean, to dunk on people. Well, I mean, Daniel, like, yeah. you have Daniel Tice in there. You got lots and lots and lots of dudes. 
Yeah, it's Ogier. Yeah, so so that's their second their second five is it, I mean it's limited offensively, but it's Rozier, Smart, Ogilvy, Marcus Morris, and Aaron Baines. And that's these a are all good the, lineup. Like that's better these are, than a lot are, of these, these are, East teams we talked about. These are all guys that played like significant crunch time minutes in a Eastern Conference final against LeBron. So I mean, you're like, yeah, no, the, these guys. Again, I think I think it's over. It's play. Uh, there is a very distinct chance. I now I'm thinking about whether whether to play it. Because they like because here's the other thing gonna, they've exceeded their point differential so regularly. To, are you I, going to bet? Are you going to get with? Are you going to bet? Well, yeah. Brad? Let's hear what the other lines are. Maybe I would be more comfortable betting one of those. Yeah. So I think uh, God, I need to check the Atlantic. So the, the win the conference. I'm seeing even money to win the conference. Okay. Good lord. Uh, I didn't realize it was even money. That's the best bet is even money and slightly below even money to win the division. So ten that like uh, that's gonna be like a minus one ten to win the division. So I think I, I feel more confident in them to win the division than to win the conference because this team is going to wreck a lot of bad teams in the regular season. Like they're just gonna they're just gonna crush that, and we don't have as much. Even though, but they here's have, the thing. But I, but I think the Raptors are gonna win like sixty games. So I think that crazy. like to win the division, they're gonna have to win like sixty two. So yeah, that's true. Ugh. I mean. I think you're. I think fifty. Here's the thing: if the Celtics, yeah, win 50 I, 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 I'm going to play. You know what? I'm going to. I'm going to play the, the over Celtics. because I'm positive enough about the Celtics, and I need to do something to reflect that positivity. So what, are, what, are, what are the odds? What are the odds? If the Celtics win 58 games, what are the odds they win the Atlantic Division? If they win 58, 40 uh, percent? Yeah, I, no, I would say it's a little bit higher than that. I mean, the Raptors, they're a lot of, they could have a 50 What about, the, what about the Sixers? You think, yeah. you think the Sixers? Can, I would say, not? I would say it's like maybe like 50 or 55%. That's a lot of wins, even though those teams are great and we all know they're great. And remember, they're going to have to, they only play but each other like, four just, times. But. We just, we just went through the East. In the East, the bottom of the East is so bad. Yeah, but, the Hawks, still, but remember, the they're Hawks still gonna they're the still gonna have to Cameron. play. Each of these teams is gonna have to play eight games against the other two. They're also me, gonna have to play. Tell me the fir- tell me the first team of these that's winning a, g- a game against the Celtics. I'm going from the bottom up: the Hawks, the Knicks, the Bulls, the Cavaliers, the Magic, the Nets. Maybe the Nets. Maybe. Yeah, the Nets. I don't think the Hornets are doing it. I think. Oh, the, you, I think the Hornets think, could pull one. I yeah, think they yeah, could pull one. Yeah, the Hornets one. could win one of those weird games where you yeah. go to Charlotte. It's like the they like could. the three. Four and Charlotte. like the yeah. first team that we'd really get to is Miami. Like Miami could just just an absolute nasty game, like an eighty-five yeah. to eighty-two. <laughs> Miami, Miami, Miami will go out with like with like nunchucks and like and brass knucks and yeah. yeah, that's Miami will play a Miami. Ma- game Miami, a Miami, Bo- the Miami Boston games in Miami are going to be ludicrous because yeah. like they're just going to try to beat the crap out of Kyrie Irving. They're going to try which, to get at Gordon Hayward. The problem for Miami and I, like the, the the moment I saw the future with with the Sixers was when Miami did that. They did that one game and won, and then the next thing they tried that, and the Sixers basically beat like they went they turned around and just basically like like slammed them into the ground. They're like, oh, you're gonna oh okay, we're bigger than you, and and so like once the Sixers figure that out, then it becomes kind of a crazy thing. But I think okay, well, well here here do we I, like do we like any MVP odds on the Celtics? Where is Kyrie? I think that, uh, probably not though. Unless it's like fifty to one, I don't know that I love it. Yeah, and I doubt he's uh, that low. I would guess he's more than the he 20, is 20. 25, 25 to one is the best. That's too, that's too strong for me. I, I that's think, too. Yeah. I think Hayward. I think Hayward for comeback player of the year, but I don't think that's like listed. Well, they don't give that award anymore. Yeah. Oh well. They stopped. Okay, they, I'm thankful they did because it was almost always like a good player that came back from an injury and then oh my oh, god they're good again. It's like it's not, it's not that. Oh, by the way, I, I forgot to ask. Like Ben Simmons for rookie of the year. Wait, but. You mean last year? No, no. I mean, I'm making it. I'm making. Oh, it, you know. oh, I get it. 
Hashtag not a rookie. Well, yeah, it's interesting. We went through all this, and I didn't really think of any East guys for for that. But what are what are Boston's title odds? Boston's title odds. Ooh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I need to look that up because I haven't thought about. Oh, it. and uh, Toronto's. We should when you're looking at, we should look at those too. So uh, the Celtics are going off. It's ooh seven to one. Ooh, that's, that's not bad. That's really tasty, actually. I like that. Seven to one bad. for the uh, for We're Toronto. The Raptors. Toronto's Toronto's a twenty to one. Ooh, yeah, I'd throw a few bucks on that. That's a really ooh, interesting. Where are number. the Sixers? Sixers are sixteen to one. Oh no, twenty-two to one. So Sixers mm-hmm. are twenty-two to one. Toronto, I like I like all of those. I like Toronto like, the best of those. Like I Toronto, think, Toronto paying out more than twice as much as the Celtics is that, that that's pretty I'm gonna interesting. Go, I'm gonna go Kawhi ten to one. I love and I love Toronto Raptors. Oh God, I'm gonna go down this path again. But hey, it's not Casey coaching them, so I don't feel bad. So Raptors at twenty to one. We, we I think we both love that. That's a Raptors really nice. That's a really nice number for title. Like, I wouldn't throw a ton on that because I mean there's a chance that they're the best team in the Eastern Conference in a long that like they're the best team in the Eastern Conference so, in the last the, like five years. So here, here's and still the thing. Lose. It, no, if Kawhi is Kawhi, if Kawhi is Kawhi, and I have Kawhi at twenty to one to beat the Golden State Warriors in the finals. I feel I feel I'm I'm ecstatic that I have Kawhi like knowing how Kawhi gets up for like has gotten up for the Warriors before. If I'm yeah, Kawhi but I mean I, I think they I'm would like, run into they would like, run into problems yeah. at a lot of the other positions. Like I mean Lowry Steph is going to be problematic. What if somebody's hurt? Like what if somebody's always hurt on Toronto? Like somebody's always hurt on the Warriors. Like, yeah, it's like possible. I mean they happen, so it like, happens. But yeah, if you, if if you get to the conference finals and Toronto's still in it, and then you have that twenty to one sitting in your back pocket, that'll feel really nice. Yeah, you can always you can hedge the hell out of that. Right, one. and that's and that's exactly what I would consider doing. With you can that. have all the fun in the world with that. Celtics seven to one. What do you think? It's okay. I don't think I would. I don't think I would bet it just because it's Boston, too tough to get through the uh, through the through the Eastern Conference. It's too tough point. to get through the East, and then like so because it's it's so much less of a vig. I think I'm using that term correctly. Than than it would be for for Toronto because it, and it, and. Boston's going to have trouble with the, with the Warriors, assuming they make it through. They would have some trouble with the Rockets I, as well. I, I'm, I'm going to say that, like, histor- like over the last three seasons, Celtics are, like, one of the teams that's done the best against the Warriors. Yeah, like, but, they, they, but remember, they, they've, they've also played only the played the Warriors in the regular season, and well, that's fine, but the Kyrie, Warriors Kyrie don't has- care. Kyrie has a good track record against them in the sure. big in the big, the, the big the Celtics games too. Are, the Celtics think, would do well against the Warriors. I'm not saying that. It's Celtics, just that the Warriors are really Celtics, good. If it was Celtics War, here's here's the scenario where it's like it's Celtics Warriors in the finals, and the Celtics most likely have home home court advantage yes, in that series. True. So the Celtics are going off at home court, and in the finals of Celtics and Warriors, I would have the Celtics probably at close to 50-50. Maybe depending on exactly what the rotations See, are. I'd have rotations. it. I'd have it sixty forty Warriors if it's full strength, full strength. Well, but again, the, the argument being like you know the Celtics. This is like when you look at a team. Have, have they been through the wars? And this team has been like everybody on this team has like Boku like playoff minutes, right? So it's not like these guys are like not. I mean, and Kyrie has like the playoff experience, like the finals experience as well. So. If it was that, then it would be close to even money. So if I'm sitting at six to one, really the the struggle with the six to one or seven to one with Celtics would be how strongly do I feel they come out of the East, right? So I like the seven to one for the Celtics to win the time. I think that's I think that's a solid bet, seven to one. Like just if it was five to one, I would say no, but seven to one I kinda like. So I, I'm gonna say I, I would say Arturo likes seven to one for the Celtics, putting it on the Celtics. But even the, I'm, I'm being practical here. I'm saying I like seven to one because I think that they're probably like thirty percent to win the East, and then probably like forty percent to so it's thirty or forty, so probably about what twelve percent. It's uh, um, I like seven to one. I think it's close. I wish I could get eight to one. Mm-hmm. I would love it at eight to one, but I like it at seven. 
Okay, anything else? No, I think I was going to say like it, it's so fascinating with the dichotomy in the Eastern Conference. Not only so, not only do you have all the teams that we don't think are super relevant, but then you have that group that it's like, oh, well, they can make it in, but they're not going to make any noise. And then really, you have that three teams, and then a couple other kind of ancillary around there. Like the stratification of the East is wild, and I mean, there's well, a distinct you, chance the East has three of the four best teams in the NBA. I, I was going to, I was going to ask, you, I was going to ask you that. What, what would you put the odds of the? The, the top three teams in the NBA in terms of record being in the East. Uh, top three. So basically then what you're betting is kind of Sixers versus Warriors slash Rockets. I would put it at like maybe like 25-30% because th- those teams are all really good, but you need all of There are only three teams. So like yeah, there, there like, isn't anybody else that's getting in there. Like I mean, maybe so maybe Milwaukee wins that kind of thing, but I wouldn't expect it. So, so basically you're betting that all three of those teams are healthy. So that's why I think it's like one in four. Yeah, if not, if not, if, if, if that's the case, then again, you'd rather have Giannis at five, at like a five to one to win the MVP. But yeah, no, I, I agree with, it. I mean, I think, because here's the thing, like the only, the, the, the three best teams of the top five in the, in, in the league, three of those teams are going to be like in a death fight for the, for the number one seed of these. Because I think, well, and I think, that, and think about the incentives for trying to get the number one seed, because yeah, if the Bucks are as good as we think they might be, then they're going to be a challenging four, but being the one means you don't have to play either of the other two Atlantic teams. Right, they they get to play each other, and like although although getting like your reward for being the number one seed is Giannis, and that Giannis played like again, Giannis would probably would Giannis be the ball. Well, Giannis wouldn't be the best player on the court in a series with Toronto if Kawhi's Kawhi. That's the only. Well, we don't know what Giannis. I mean, I agree with you that per minute to me, Kawhi was the best player on the planet in sixteen seventeen. Giannis but, certainly was not. But I don't know that I want to put limits on what he can be. I would expect Kawhi to be better than where Giannis is at that point. But I don't know. <laughs> you know, like Giannis could a, be. We, it's I, a legit, I don't want to put limits on that guy. It's a legitimate question. Well, we have, I mean, there's so much to talk about in the East, a lot of interesting things, but I'll thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, it was great to be here. Thanks again to our Churro Galetti for taking the time to come on. Check out Daily Roto, and you can also follow him on Twitter at American Numbers, A-M-E-R-I-C-A-N-N-U-M-B-E-R-S. Love talking with our Churro. The Over Under podcast is a real GM radio annual tradition for a reason, and as I probably mentioned in the intro, but you'll you'll know. The Western Conference will be next week's podcast. It is already recorded. We actually did them back-to-back. It was a lot of fun, but, but pretty crazy. And so I don't know exactly when that will come out next week, but that is the next Real Jam Radio podcast, whenever it does come out, whenever I get the chance to edit it. And after that, going to go more into kind of season preview-y type stuff. So really looking forward to getting close to the start of the season. can also check out I'm Running Dunked On. One episode is already out. There are three more coming, one pretty much on the heels of this, and then two more next week. Normal summer schedule. And then after those episodes, Nate and I will be back to five times a week full-time, which is very exciting that we're getting back there. and Lots to talk about, of course. And if you want to support this show, or really any other podcast, the, the rubric is pretty much the same, which is leave a rating, leave a review in the podcast player of your choosing. It is awesome if it's Apple Podcasts, because they're still just massive in our industry. If you want to be even more amazing, you can write a review in your own player and in Apple Podcasts if you really, really want to. I, I would appreciate it deeply. Also subscribing, downloading every episode. That is very important for a show like this that doesn't always come out on the same day. So you can't really get into a habit with it. Best way you can do that is to subscribe. And that way you don't have to try to see my tweet or something like that, which doesn't always, you know, doesn't always come through in that way. So 
could do that. Most important thing with the show and really with any other is to check out our sponsors, betonline.ag. If you use that promo code of podcast one, that's the number one, you get a 50% sign up bonus. It's a great, amazing time to check out Bet Online. Pluto TV, leading free streaming television service, no credit card, no sign up. Very impressed with that. And TrueCar, great place to buy a new and used car. As always, if you have any feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, NBA at gmail.com is the way to do it because Twitter can be ephemeral. And if it's in my email, I will see it. I might not see it much recently because I'm actually going on vacation for a week, but I will, I always make th- make sure to go through those and it's, it's very, very important to me. So I will do so. I, I don't know exactly when. And I'll have work coming out. Actually, it'll probably still be another couple weeks. I'm working on a a big, as yet unannounced project, but it's not coming out soon for a couple of logistical reasons. But that is in the offing. Know that I have a lot of work coming, even though you haven't seen much writing from me recently. That's because I'm doing it in a different format. So you can look forward to that in the near term. I think that's all for now. There's plenty of rambling. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. Healthy lifestyle depends on quality sleep, and Sleep Number is here to help you sleep more efficiently. Sleep efficiency is the amount of restful sleep you have at night and is a key part of your overall health. Here are some tips to help you get the most efficient sleep possible. Reduce caffeine consumption before noon and limit late-night alcohol. Get regular exercise during the day, which helps you feel tired in the evening. And keep track of your sleep health with data from your Sleep Number 360 smart bed. Sleepers who routinely use their Sleep Number 360 smart bed features get almost 100 hours more proven quality sleep per year. With that much extra energy, you could get more quality family time, volunteer at a meaningful charity, or exercise, meditate, and reconnect with nature. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep, which starts with Sleep Number adjustability. It's time for Sleep Number's ultimate sleep number event. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart bed, plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com slash podcast one for details. Microsoft Surface Pro 8 has the power of a laptop and the versatility of a tablet all in one. It has a touchscreen and a newly designed signature keyboard that could even store your Surface Pen. Show the world how you stand out with Surface Pro 8. Check it out at surface.com slash surface pro 8.